I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, kids. Uh, welcome to Just a Game live in the Oodle Noodle studio. Uh, as I said, as an homage to the great Kevin Pollock, I am Just a Game. Uh, you know who you are. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory, and everyone is welcome. This is an all-inclusive podcast, so welcome. Uh, feel safe here. It's a safe place. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. I'm going to kick it off because we had talked about this for a while and and was really excited, and, and it's still going to happen. But just an update. We were hoping to have Kelsey Snow, the wife of Flames Assistant General Manager Chris Snow, on today's program. We set it up. We talked on Friday, but chatted with Kelsey last night. Uh, Chris, they were hoping to have Chris back from the hospital on Saturday. He was still in. As a matter of fact, is still in now. But we do have some positive news for you. Kelsey, on her social media account on Twitter just a little while ago, uh, tweeting, uh, couple hours uh but the update procedure done chris is good a little bit loopy in fact just asked uh or said uh fentanyl is awesome kids fentanyl is not awesome we don't joke about that but in this case it's a uh a really good sign so we are hoping to get kelsey snow on in a future podcast uh we have a remarkable replacement uh we'll get to her in just a moment but i do also want to uh, give a little love to kelsey snow's sorry i'm sad podcast if you haven't checked it out it's probably a good primer for when she comes on um the latest one for me hits real hard real close to home uh because chris is on it so Chris uh, and Kelsey spend an hour and a half talking about his two visits to the hospital uh, in the fall and over Christmas and, and the times that they didn't think he was coming home. Um, and to hear Chris, I could still hear his, I know his, his, his speech is, is difficult and slurred a little bit, but I can still hear my buddy in there. So it's good. But I have just an incredible amount of respect and admiration for Kelsey as uh, she is uh, it's one thing to keep your family together. It's one thing to take care of a, a spouse. It's a whole other thing to have the, the cojones or whatever we're going to say to share it with the rest of the world. And we get all excited around here. And, you know, we do great. We had a great conversation with Brent Dodging Horse on Friday and it was real. It was real. But man, is this raw. This is really raw. And uh, she writes it. She produces it. Um, she does an amazing job. And she's also got a Patreon account. So if you wanted to support her that way, you could as well. Kelsey Snow, sorry, I'm sad podcast. Look it up, check it out. It's it's worth your while. 
Um, just a quick update on the local hockey heroes. When last we spoke, uh, they completed the first brother for brother trade. Uh, that, that didn't help them. Um, that I want my money back and I had no money invested in the game on Saturday. Uh, but somewhere Jacques Lemaire smiling somewhere Jacques Lemaire said, see, it still works. You can take a fan base and a team out of it and just smother them to death. God bless you, Jacques. God bless the Minnesota Wild who just – they keep telling me that the uh, Kaprizov kid is a, a heart candy candidate trophy – heart trophy candidate. He, he's great. He's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I've seen him play live this year. But watching that team, oh, my God, it just reminded me. And you kids, this is the old man yelling at the clouds. You kids, have it good now. You're complaining about these three games against the Oilers this year, not five. I get that part. But you used to be eight games against that wild team in a season. Eight! Ugh, just death warmed over. Uh, the local heroes booed off the ice on Saturday. Um, good. Great. Fantastic. And let me tell you why. If you're booing, you care. If you're booing, you care. The last thing you want right now is a little golf tap. Thanks very much. See you later. That's apathy. You know what apathy is? Apathy is death. Apathy is death. At least the fans are pissed off, which means apathy hasn't crept in. That now becomes the major concern the rest of the way. You do not want to allow apathy to creep into your fandom, to creep into your dressing room, to creep into your organization. And this is the next month is going to be fascinating theater if you like traffic accidents replayed over and over and over again. I just don't see there's seven points out of a playoff spot. God bless some donkey on this program 10 days ago who talked about St. Louis and being in last place in January. You never know. Well, that looks like a missed opportunity, doesn't it? Anywho, uh, you've got uh, some pretty significant deals coming up next year, 23-24. And if anything about last year taught us that you can't leave things to the last moment. So just so we're all on the same page, Backlund, Lindholm, Toffoli, Dubay, Zadorov, Hannafin, and Tanev all come due next year, after next year. But what are you going to begin to do with them this offseason? You have a general manager who is due a new contract. Is he your guy? Is he not your guy? Um, that is something that I think um, has to be dealt with. Um, and And quite honestly... Ryan Pike, and he'll join us later on in the program to talk about the local hockey heroes, uh, of course, managing editor of Flames Nation. Last week, Ryan Pike brought it up, and it really hit home for me. I have been here 20 seasons now. My uh, 20th anniversary starting in this market will be May 5th. Uh, The blessing that I had is my first year, the, the heroes went to the Stanley Cup final game seven. And that if that doesn't happen, I'm not here talking to you today. There's a lot of things that don't happen. But since then, it has been up and down and up and down and up and down and never consistent. Lots of coaches, a couple of general managers, rehired a coach, uh, superstars, not superstars, some that blossomed when they got here, some that blossomed when they left here. But it has been a roller coaster that quite honestly, And I think uh, we get our co-host in here. I'm going to let her speak on this too. Um, I take no, I take no great 
joy in this whatsoever, but it's an observation I will make. Last week, Tuesday through Saturday, as a hockey fan, as a fan of the Calgary Flames, was tough, real, real tough. Because there's no shortage of people. Craig Button, one of them, uh, former Flame general manager, TSN, uh, friend of the program, also has a podcast on this here network. Um, he said it. Most complete team in the league, best team in the league, should win the Stanley Cup. Flames dominated them. Dominated them. Found a way to lose. Uh, played okay against Toronto, who's a pretty good team. Found a way to lose. Uh, and then just did not, just didn't look interested didn't do anything spectacular at the trade deadline. I take you back, not to the Minnesota game, but the Toronto game in particular, but also the, the Boston game. One of the things that this franchise gets right is its alumni. You will not find a better group of alumni in the entire National Hockey League, maybe in all of pro sports. Another aspect of this organization that they get right is their foundation. Led by Candace Scouty, the foundation is also trailblazers and, and maybe the best in the league. When it comes to the on-ice product, when it comes to the building, when it comes to all of the things that are the critical front-facing pieces of an organization, it's a freaking roller coaster. It's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. If you are listening to this podcast in Calgary, are you from Calgary or are you from somewhere else? Because that's also a bit of a thing we don't talk about, but is an issue. Most people are from somewhere else. When you are what you are right now, when you don't give people a chance to believe, when you are up and down and up and down and up and down, things begin to creep in. Apathy. Last week, and this isn't everybody, but last week, I watched that Toronto game and I saw some of the pictures. And the first thing that came to mind is that's a lot of people who are season ticket holders. And part of the problem in Calgary and part of what has been fostered with this roller coaster is Flames fans have two jerseys, their Flames jersey and their favorite team's jersey. And it pains me to say it, but it's an issue. It's a real issue. And this organization has to find a way to build some continuity, has to find a way to have people believe in it, has to find a way to have little kids in arenas wearing more Flames merchandise than Vegas Golden Knights merchandise. Fact. Fact. Up north, that team, do we have a nation up there? We do, yeah. They're not really good. But that hockey club, living off the avails of the 80s, have been for 40 years and doing a spectacular job. But go to an Oiler game. See 97% of the people wearing jerseys. They are. It just is. You know, and yes, they, oh, it's just amazing development for Connor McDavid. Oh, that's right. They won a lottery. doesn't matter. This organization has never picked higher than fourth. Never picked higher than fourth. Have never had a first-round pick. And are likely going to do what they're really famous for. Missed the playoffs by a couple of points and cost themselves some draft, sp draft space, if you will, positioning. Do, does this organization need a top-to-bottom reboot? Got to ask ourselves that. They do a lot of things really good. They really, really do. And they do a lot of things that are really, really safe. But last week, if anything, it just hits you right smack dab in the face like a wet fish. That are there are times, and there are a number of people that support this club who have two jerseys. 
And somehow the Flames need to close that gap. Somehow the Flames need more kids wearing more Flames colors. And I'm not saying they don't. Don't get me wrong. But this needs to become an insulated Flames town. It needs to have this fan base rally around it. It needs this fan. And God bless you. I know I can hear the... uh, the, the chat boards are not even chat boards anymore, but the diehards, this isn't about the diehards. This is about everybody else that makes up that fan base. Hard, just a hard, hard week. All right. Um, should remind everybody, we are live in the noodle oodle studio. We're not just crazy about noodles. Uh, we just put the same energy right back into the community, which they do. They they live up to it. Oodle Noodle Studio and Oodle Noodle. We're in the Oodle Noodle Studio, but Oodle Noodle, two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie, pickup and delivery. Um, it is fortuitous that our guest host today uh, could spend some time with us, um, almost kind of like it was meant to be. Um, she was coming in anyway. Uh, she wanted to get a, a chance to take a look at what we're doing. Um, I'm a huge fan, have been for a long time. Um, looking at her weekend schedule will make you nauseous and dizzy. And if you're afraid of heights, it'll probably give you anxiety. Um, she is uh, just a tremendously talented uh, journalist who, and I, I put this out on social a couple weeks ago if you're not following her on social you're kind of missing the heartbeat of calgary because she does a lot of the stories that are really really important cammy kepke of global kind enough to spend some time as our co-host today uh, how are you first of all well that was a very nice intro truly a who's who of the most available yes that's right show today that's right <laughs> of all the available people you were the first one i called <laughs> I, mean, right? I do appreciate that. No, it's, no, it's so it's fun good. to be here well, with the Rob father. Oh, I, the Rob father. <laughs> yeah. That just means I'm old. That just means I'm old. Um, I don't know where to start I, I, because I just, do you care to opine on what I, am I wrong about anything I have just said? Is there anything that you would like to take umbrage with? It has been a very difficult week in this city. If you were a fan of the local hockey heroes, it has been. There are some things to celebrate, and we'll get to those. And, and we mentioned a few of those. But from a pure hockey standpoint, it was bizarre how last week unfolded, wasn't it? It was. And maybe the one thing I will disagree you with is that apathy hasn't set in. Booing does mean you care, yes. But I feel like there's a certain portion of the fan base that has checked out enough that they're not putting a lot of pressure on somewhere where you could make meaningful change with this organization. Like? If this was Vancouver, yeah, Murray Edwards would be getting the Aquilini treatment. We don't have people with signs saying, get rid of Murray at Flames games. Like, we see people getting those signs taken away at Canucks games. We're not seeing that kind of reaction from the fan base. And maybe, like, on many levels, it's a good thing we don't have... Well, I mean, a culture around the team like they do in Vancouver. In do you want to see a jersey on the ice? No. Right? I, mm-hmm. I I don't like that. And, and you know, as much as we poke fun at our friends up north, that's something that they've had to do. That's almost become the, you know, the de facto tradition. When we're unhappy, we're throwing one on the ice, right? Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to see versions of it. Um, but they got booed. Thank God they got booed. Because the if they just. I've ever heard them get booed. Oh, I've heard them. <laughs> they've been booed before, but you know, I think it was building, and I think that was and the acknowledgement. You know, Daryl Sutter, you you know, you can talk to this. Daryl Sutter acknowledged that you know, 
he was there, he would have booed. I think some of the players said that. Um, it's a tough piece. Now, let me ask you this. Does the organization need a reboot? And I don't know. I don't know how to frame that because I'm a tree guy. I like tree. Tree's a friend of mine. Um, he's been, you know, given a decade here. I don't think he hired the last coach. I think he's had to work with the last coach, but I don't think he hired the last coach. I think ownership does, you know, does play a role in hockey operations. I, I credited Mike Russo from the athletic wrote about the Zucker trade a couple years ago that didn't happen because Murray wasn't available to approve it. Aquilini, you know, Foley, Dundon, Molson, that's not a Calgary thing. That's a pro sports thing, but it's an interesting point you raise. It, will we get to that point? Just ne- ownership just never gets talked about in this city. Does it? No, like a tiny bit, but they just don't face the pressure that you see in other markets. And I wonder if that's just because over decades and decades of everything just being okay, miss one year, make the next, Yeah, the pressure hasn't been there. And frankly, for owners, if you get to the first round of playoffs, that's all bonus money for you. Right. How many fans were in the red lot last year? Oh, yeah. But how many more could have been in if they devised a plan to beat the Oilers or had beaten the Oilers or, you know, and then that to me was, um, you know, weird in the way that for six periods or four five periods, it kind of looked like this might be a runaway for Calgary. And then it went exactly the opposite. Seemed like the whole offseason was you know, at least the beginning of the off season was a hangover from that. And then the, the two main pieces bolt, uh, the whiplash oh, of that 10 day oh, stretch. Oh, right. And you know, this season, I honestly, I'm not surprised Huberto struggled. I'm not surprised that, you know, Weger and, and Kadri haven't really found their game. It's the goaltending that shocks me, but I'm not, I, I think those guys that came from Florida, I think the, uh, I think they're all going to be better next year. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it's going to be tough, but you know, Jonathan Huberto loves hockey so much. I actually yeah. uh, met him for the first time many moons before he came here, yep. but even when he was done with the St. John Sea Dogs and he was in the NHL, you would see him at Harbor station so much Mm -hmm. just coming back to watch, watching the sea dogs do their playoff run. Doesn't know any of the players anymore. Just loves to be around it. And I think he will rediscover that love of the game. But frankly, the roller coaster that this franchise is, it's going to be up and down. They're probably going to be really good next year, but I think we need to start getting a little more serious about the expectation conversation. I made this, Simile as a joke on Twitter a little while ago, but I, I truly believe it, especially when we talk about expectations. The flames are like a terrible boyfriend that you have in your early 20s, not even a boyfriend. Like this, they're the situationship of hockey and that they are capable of being so great. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, you get let down. So you try to sit down and say, what are we? Right. What are we? What are we doing here? Like, well, like, let's not put a let's not put a label on this. Let's like let's see where it goes. Right. And what does that lead to? Well, it's only taking no a, fun for everybody. No, and, but see, we're see, we're seven yeah. shows in. And we got finally got to our first gender argument. Are they that, or are they? We're just friends. Are they caught in the we're just friends mode in the National Hockey League? We're not really serious, are we? No, we're not going all the way, are we? No, we're just friends, and it, you know it ends. It's a it's an October to April romance. It's not even that. We're platonic. 
the flames f boy factor copyright it <laughs> by the way have at her i'm the only one not on allowed on, to swear on this program that goes back to the superhero tie my no mom's gonna watch this wait is until, she wait until she's not so excited and she doesn't tune in every time and then i'll start okay okay Love you, mom. okay <laughs> hi mom um <laughs> but it but, but it does you know, again, and I, I, I take no, this is not me taking a run. This is not me taking a shot. This is not me doing anything. Me, this is just me going, I've been here for 20 years, and here's what I have seen. This reminds me a lot of uh, Brent Sutter's tenure here. That, you know, right up to the deadline, there was always a decision to make. Are they going for it or they aren't going for it? But it's, for whatever reason, right around the, at least the first year, it, it just fell off, and they, and they could never recover. They're seven points back starting you know, this week they've been jumped by a team that sold. The Nashville Predators were in sell-off mode and have jumped them. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's over, over, but um, I, I'm more interested in the next steps, and I'm, I'm more interested in whether this should signal a greater, you know, shift. Uh, you know, we'll have we'll have uh, Ryan on, but you know, you've been around the last couple of years. You know what the temperature is around the arena and the the event center. I mean. Do you feel confident that that's going to get done? The event center or yeah. the rebuild? No, the event center. It's just, I'm just talking about the one thing. It'll be done eventually. What's eventually? I don't know. Right? Yeah. Like I, I kind of feel like Lucy in the football. You know, I, I've taken that, you know, I've gone, you know, I thought we had it. And then there's the Christmas, you know, massacre, right? And it got pulled off the shelves and everybody's happy and everybody's saying the right thing. And little Gary came to town last week and, and I can say that I know him. And uh, contradicted. Like there was contradiction in that. I don't know. No, were, no, no, no. Like literally in what they were saying, um, because uh, at city hall, some members of council said uh, there was no meeting. I'm like, well, Gary just said there was a meeting. And then, so well, I thought like, Gondek acknowledged that he talked. I didn't Gondek mm -hmm. acknowledge he talked and had a and Daniel a Smith tour. acknowledged, yeah, right, yeah. All the right things are being again. I, I take no pleasure in it. I, I take it's not done with malice, it's done with I want people to be in love with this team. I want to be in a city which loves, loves, loves its team from top to bottom. You're in as many ranks as I am. That little line that I threw out there is not. Hyperbole, easy for me to say. It's not hyperbole. You go into a rink. Yes, there are some Flames hats and there are some Flames jerseys, but there's just as many Vegas Golden Knights, Seattle Kraken. Uh, that's the part that worries me. You know, you go up to Edmonton and it's cult-like, right? We love a good cult. Well, I went. I hadn't been to an Oiler game in years in the building. We were I close to having a cult of Daryl here at the end of last season. There's a cult of Daryl. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, there is. Those people are also all hardcore Yellowstone fans. Yeah, which he's not. No. Which makes no sense. No, no. And you know why? The fake cowboys. Yeah. Fake cowboys. <laughs> like, my family is all, like, cranky old farmers. Yeah. They uh, were out after the first episode because the calving scene was inaccurate. Yeah. No, you don't do that. You don't mess, you don't mess with rural. But riddle me this song. Yes. Okay, okay, so I I feel like there are a lot of parallels between this season, which is quickly marching towards the lost season for the Flames, right. and the bubble season after Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev came in. We thought they were going to do so much for this team right off the bat, maybe like a Huberto right. and a Kadri would, and it was not happening for them. They couldn't come back. They couldn't string together any win streaks. Like, they've only had a three-game win streak this season. They've done it twice. 
the best stretch being the first three games of the season. And they were not mathematically eliminated, but I specifically remember a 4-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. And I just said to myself, sitting in that empty dome with all those covers on the lower bowl seats and thinking, this is done. I wonder if fans would have been booing then. Have um, they been in the building? And I, are we at a similar point now where I feel like the Boston loss was the same moment where I said this might be done for them? Yeah, I, I so let me un, let me unravel that onion a little bit. Um, I go back to the playoff bubble up in Edmonton, and I, I just don't believe that when you take the fans out of the game, when you change the routine, and this is coming from Mister Delicate Genius, like I hate it. Oh, you can't talk to a goalie on game day. Why? Oh, it'll bugger up his routine. He's what? He's a delicate genius? I hate it when they say, oh, it's it's March. They can't do. They're too close to the playoffs. They can't go into the community. Why? Well, they're delicate geniuses. We saw, I see it with junior players. I hate it. 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 We're human beings. Like, but having said all of that, the the bubbles, just that wasn't it. And you're so used to it. And it's funny you mentioned Winnipeg. I point to them beating Winnipeg. They were up 3-1. I can't remember which game it was. They all blur together. But Winnipeg had a breakaway and a two-on-one in Cam Talbot in the third period. And it should have been a Winnipeg home game. It was considered a Winnipeg home game. And I just felt like, had that building been in the MTS, I guess it's not MTS anymore, but had that been in, in Winnipeg, that the fans, the sea of white, all of that, or the whiteout or whatever, they would have brought that team back and it would have been a different series. I thought you know, the Flames were able to snuff out a third period comeback because there's no energy and Winnipeg couldn't create energy to the same point. Then watching the Flames and watching uh, Stockton Heat represent everybody represent um, in, in that bubble situation. And that wasn't hockey. Piping in noise wasn't hockey. I give them a complete walk on that yeah there was a stanley cup champion and all of that and there was some good hockey and respect it was garbage like it was i'm glad they did it they got the sponsors the fans had something to watch it gave us something to talk about but never ever 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 is anybody going to say well let's use that as the blueprint for something it was it was horrible hockey but playoff success missed the playoffs playoff success missed the playoffs we're back into that pattern again. And I think, but I think to like, not even the playoffs, like the bubble, like the shortened season yeah. that, that followed yeah. in our zoom interviews with the players, they were so checked out. Elias Lindholm straight up told me once I asked him and Hannafin a question. He said like, I didn't listen. Nope. I was like, Oh, thanks for your honesty. I nope. guess. And I feel like we're starting to see those same like thousand yard stairs. Milan Lucic for whatever you think of him on the ice is usually one of the most insightful players Mm -hmm. on the team. And there's a reason why we go to him to try to break down why things are going the way they are. I've never seen Lucic like we saw him after that three Oh loss on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Because in every, every other situation, like I feel like whenever he does choose to hang up his skates and wrap up his playing career, he should be in broadcasting because he is just such such a way of taking you inside their mentality. And from what I'm seeing from him now, it's like, okay, this is like ringing a bell to me when like a Lindholm wasn't even listening to our questions. I feel like we're starting to get onto that same plane. Well, and I'll go back to your point about the Boston game. That, that one will be long remembered. Statistically, one of Jacob Markstrom's best games of the season. I would put it up there with the 
December 27th, 2-1 loss to the Oilers. Yeah. The 1-0 loss to Montreal and Extras. Yeah. Those were some of his best games. And look isn't, at those scores. Is, no run support. I was going to say, isn't that the problem? Isn't that the problem? Mm-hmm. You just listed three of his best games this year, and they're all losses. Tight losses. Right. And last year, nine shutouts. This team doesn't have a shutout this year. Um, I'm baffled by it. I've I've seen goal. I'm not even rattled about not having a shutout. You need to find a way to win when you're trailing after two periods. Yeah, but especially when you have Markstrom holding you in. Yeah, one nothing with seven minutes left. Yeah, but to me, it's more just it's how dramatic it is. You know, they were the top defense or defensive top uh, save percentage of goaltending goal. I can't remember, but they're right behind Carolina for the Jennings last year. Right. Exactly. This year, third from the bottom. Right. Um, I've seen individuals. I've seen individuals go. Uh, Connor Hellebuck was no screaming hell after he had his Vesna caliber season. He's, he's rebounded. I have no reason to think both of them won't rebound. And it, it, the crazy part is it's a bit of a situational conversation, too, because we're only three weeks removed from putting Dan Vladar up on a pedestal and going, look, you know, he might set the Flames record for points in consecutive games. Right. He he was. I don't know if he was on a heater, but he was getting wins, right? It's it's bizarre. It's ugly. I don't have the answers for it. Um, if I was a betting man, I would go back to them next year. I just don't think they could repeat this. But to your point, um, you know, Thursday Thursday was the no-run game for me. Thursday was the, he gave you a great performance, and if you can just get three goals, you're winning that hockey game. And then, you know, Minnesota – it's all a cumulative effect. They were at least against Boston. They were getting chances. That's right. And they did deserve to win that game Yeah, against Toronto, their offense, their pressure dried up in that third. They were so, they, they were no, but they, they didn't believe third. anymore. They yeah. didn't believe after the Boston game, they didn't believe. And it, it's, it's, it's fans, it's media, it's coaches, it's general managers, it's players, it's front office people. You can only have, so many Rangers games. How good was that Rangers game? Oh, they were awesome in that Rangers game. They lost. How good were they in that Boston game? They were better than Boston. They lost. Markstrom lost, but great. Lost, but great. It's It begins to creep into your head. Um, we know that this is not a cohesive dressing room to begin with. We know that. But at least they have an identity. They do have an identity as a non-cohesive dressing room. <laughs> their, their identity is, as Blake Coleman so succinctly put it, yeah. a great team that cannot yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wonder, like, for – I feel like when when you sometimes have – like, sometimes teams just need, like, that p- plastered up on the wall material, something mm-hmm. to motivate you. I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes – a way that Daryl tries to create success is by creating an us versus them mentality. And a lot of coaches do that. Okay. I think sometimes he takes pot shots at the media, whatever, do what you do. Well, the whole but Jacob Pelche thing was a pot shot at the media. Completely. Right? Yeah. Completely. But I think he does that maybe sometimes to try to create a more insular feeling among yeah. his players to create the us versus them. And then they can see like, yeah. oh man, like a lot of, these guys don't actually want to see us suck. Yeah. Pretty supportive. They, they, you don't get into this job to like railroad a team. It's like, we want to cover a Stanley cup run too. Yep. Don't, it's not fun to watch someone kind of crumbling in front of you. Yep. So that doesn't work. All right. Maybe take a couple pot shots at the players. Maybe one of the players will be the one to lock the door and say, 
screw this. Yep. This is what we're going to do. And just none of it has stuck. And it's just created a complete nightmare. It has. With a few really bright individual spots. Uh, yes, it has. Um, I have zero Stanley Cup rings. I do have uh, a SJHL championship in an Anavid Cup ring, but I have zero Stanley Cup rings. Daryl has two. So I understand when I am critical of the coach, there is a very easy fallback position to what do you know? He's the one that makes decisions. I like Daryl. I feel like every time you criticize Daryl, you have to say, I like Daryl. I like Daryl. I, I really do. I enjoy his company. He's always been good to me. Uh, I've learned so much from And for those of you who don't know, Daryl was analytics before analytics. Like back in 04, he was using analytics. So don't give me the backwards farmer routine. And a side story yeah. about uh, cup rings. One of my favorite live team moments was Al Coates giving Ed Whalen, surprising him with a Stanley Cup ring on air. Yes. Yes. That was Do cool you have moment. that at Global? What's that? Do you have that at Global? Did you put that out recently on? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Okay. That was one of the gems I found in the, the basement with the beta cam tapes that we've been restoring. Al, and Al Coates is a, a, a good dude. I love Al. Al's going to be on this show. He just doesn't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point, I go all to that ex- extreme. I still believe Daryl's wrong not to have a captain on this team. I, I think we know his, who the captain is on this team. Daryl. Daryl's a captain. No, he was in 04. He wasn't 04. It, it's how he organizes his benches. That's how he runs his team. That's okay. That's okay. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I think it deadens the, the, uh, the accountability a bit for the players. Um, I think you've seen Coleman, Backlund, Tanev, Huberto, Kadri. I think all you would know this better than I. I'm just going off your reporting and what I've seen from you. Um, like, it's your fault. But there's guys Sorry, who make guys. them... There's guys who make themselves accountable. It's not like they're running around pointing fingers. That's not the point. But I, I just, I don't like that part of it. Um, I don't, and I also think the flames like throw themselves on the sword too much though. Like they're not that quick to pump each other up when things go right, but everyone is really quick because it is easy to be self-deprecating, but I almost wonder if we're going to take it all the way back to round two of playoffs last year. Yeah. If Calgary, like one, if Chris Tanev doesn't get hurt, but also after winning that first game, yeah, yeah, they almost let them back in it. The Flames were so hard on themselves after. What if they had a little more swagger and said, whatever, we still rolled them. But that was their coach. You see how many goals we scored? But that was their coach, right? Yeah. Because that's exactly the message the coach would have delivered after that game. Mm -hmm. Now, the brilliance of Daryl was game one against Vancouver in 2004 when he didn't say anything to that team. And they went in, they lost 5-3 to the Vancouver Canucks. And then he said to them, do I have your attention now? And they proceeded to go and and win that series in seven. He's not a dumb man. He's not, but it's not working right now. And, and I would throw, he's still waiting to see who is on, who on the team is going to finally snap and say, they've had enough. Who is going to block that door shut and say, Daryl can't come in. Who is going to call a players only meeting and say, no, none of us are doing interviews tonight because they can, they have. Previous I just, years, I, I guess, but the guys that would are probably allies. There's the old the old line in baseball, the old manager line in baseball, right? Nine guys, that, you know, nine. I, my job is to keep you know the nine guys that are okay with me away from the nine guys that hate me, right? I just think that, um, to me, I I just I, I don't think he has to go. I just think it has to be the the system needs to adapt. And and the players and the coach need to adapt. I go back to the Matthew Phillip, and and I I know this 
Matt, Matt Phillips, if you're watching, please go somewhere next year and, and light it up so I don't look like a, an idiot. And he's, he's not going to be here. And I hope he goes somewhere and lights it up. I think this team would have been better with Matt Phillips in the lineup. Having said that, I don't know where you would have played him right now with Pelche. So, you know, one begets the other. But Pelche didn't start for six games. They needed to pull the pin a little quicker on that decision. They needed more skill in this lineup a little quicker. And I'm wondering what we're going to see the rest of the way. I don't think we're going to see Matt Phillips for the sake of seeing Matt Phillips. But I wonder if we see Dustin Wolf at some point. I will say I'm a huge Jacob Pelche fan. I first mm-hmm. met him back in uh, back in Moncton, New Brunswick, and he was playing with the Wildcats, and he was just so similar to what he is now. Very bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, yep. a little bit of an edge to his game, but there's just an exuberance that he never lost. And even when things are bad now, even when he's not the guy who comes out for interviews when we're out there for morning skate and practices, he's still like buzzing around the room, just chatting with people and catching up. And the energy that you see when he scores or mm-hmm. he's pointing to somebody, he's like, like, that was all you. Like he brings that off the ice too. And I think there's really something to be said to that. Oh, there's value Dustin in that. Wolf, yeah. I do think if they're mathematically eliminated, bring him up. Sure. He needs to have a good stretch of games. And we need to remember that even though he has succeeded, he's gone beyond succeeding at every level so far. There is going to be an adjustment period. Do not forget that his first pro games were not good. Oh, his no. His first games in Stockton were after World Juniors when he won gold as part of that tandem with Spencer Knight. I, he had those three Stockton games that were rough. Well, I <laughs> called the first one, which was really rough, yeah. like four goals and seven shots rough. And then by the end of that series against Toronto, he, he stoned them. I mean, it, you're absolutely it right. Time. No, but, but Cammy, it's not about bringing him up for the sake of bringing him up to see if he can win games. It's a development thing. Okay. And it's actually using Daryl's strategy, which is up, your, down, up, down, up, down. well, your first year when you come out of junior college, you, you play in the American hockey league. The second year you get a taste of the NHL. The third year you come up and down and eventually you just stick. It worked for David Moss work for Eric Nystrom. It's worked for Pelche. Uh, that's all I'm looking for for Wolf is just to get that taste. Cause you're exactly right. It. And he's going to come up with that dreaded of all meteorological phenomenons. Uh, he's short. He's short. <gasps> he's a small goalie. He can't win. I know. Actually, you want to know what truly the worst thing about Dustin Wolf is? Yes, on I want to know of- what the worst thing yeah, is. Yeah, no, this is on the word of his teammates. This is okay. coming from uh, Mr. Matthew Phillips and Mr. Jacob Peltier. The worst thing about playing with Dustin Wolf. He has a habit of eating the stinky, stinky yogurt before games. I heard that. It's some kind of Greek yogurt, but yeah. apparently he can't find it in Canada. But Phillips actually thought he was doing it on purpose. He thought he was just messing with him at a certain point down in the States. Like, yeah. He's like, this is disgusting. What, what is it? But, you know, when you got a routine, you got a routine. What, and especially he can't find it in Canada. So he, he can't solve for his teammates. Uh, we will get uh, uh, Ryan Pike on the program. We'll uh, ask him. Actually, you know, we should ask him, like, what was the brand? I want to know. Of yogurt. Yeah. All right. Let me write that down. Um, Journalism. Speaking of which, Cammie, uh, tell me about your Saturday. Walk us through Cammie Kepke's Saturday for me. All right. Well, you panic and don't sleep because there's so much to do, first yep. of all. Okay. Yeah. You wake up. Uh, it was a very busy day, especially in university sports. My big thing is just trying to cover as much local as we can because, you know, TSN Sportsnet, it's not their mandate. They're not going to be at a lot of the community games. They got their stuff. They got their rights holder stuff. So uh, about 11 o'clock on, you're down at the Jack Simpson Gymnasium doing sidelines for the Canada West Women's Basketball Championship. 
for the first time in 22 years. The banner's coming back to Alberta. Will it hang in the Savile Center? Will it hang in the Jack Simpson Gymnasium? It's going to the Savile Center. <laughs> but but Calgary's still going to Nationals, so keep tuning into that. So okay. great call. So, yeah, sidelines for that. Uh, post-game interviews really quickly for Canada West and Global After. Rip back to the station. Write highlights for the Briar. Other hockey games going on in the city. Get teed up for Game 2 of the Dinos versus Alberta in the Men's Hockey Championship. Slap a little makeup and uh, lipstick on and you get on that desk and you start anchoring and repeat as soon as that show is done. There are some days where you actually have to schedule in your pee break. Okay. Or a time to cry. But you're not. <laughs> well, when it's all I was going to say. Like, okay. It's okay. like if this day is going to come off the rails. Yeah. If you need a five minute break, it has to be here. <laughs> okay. Um, but aren't you missing something there? Didn't you go to didn't you go to FDB? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, there is that. that. Well, I was doing, I was starting to put together highlights uh, for the 11 o'clock show. And I was looking at it. It was for nothing for Alberta. I was like, oh, I don't know if Mark Howell is going to be super up for talking after this one. And then it was for two. And I'm like, oh, no, they're coming back. I got to get down there. So, yeah, rip across the city to uh, and you're still like kind of dictating notes into your phone for what you need to throw into you. Yep. What you're writing that night and then trying to get there in time to, yeah, see them tie it up 4-4, four, four, goes to overtime. Not great for deadlines. Grab your post after and get back. And that was your Saturday. Yes. And then you were back there yesterday. Yes. Um, tell me about that game because anybody who might have caught a piece of it. it what's sad to me about that game and, and uh, our dear friend, uh, Eric Francis uh, tweeted it out and he's right. Like it is a great level of hockey. It just is. It always has been, um, you know, the, the women's game, the same thing it's elevated. It's a great brand of hockey, but it doesn't get the attention. We're going to come back to the women's side. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I just want to talk about the, the atmosphere at Father David Bauer. Yesterday. It was amazing. That was the greatest atmosphere I've ever seen at Father David Bauer right up there with the exhibition game against team Ukraine just before the winter mm -hmm. university games. Yeah. But what's crazy about this dinos team is we were not expecting them to be this powerhouse. We knew they would be good, but coach of the year, Mark Howell told me right before the final at the start of the year, he pointed at the banner hanging in that arena and it says 1996 last yeah. time the dinos had a conference title. Yeah. Said, this year and they started off pretty average they were pretty good there were some stinker nights mm -hmm. one of them was against the saskatchewan huskies one of them was also against the golden bears at fdb and then they go on a 23 game winning streak they hadn't lost a game since october 14th yep it's a canada west record and it turns out u sports doesn't even count these streaks but talking to historians at schools across the country this is the third most dominant team in university sports going back to the 60s so they get the bye in the first week of playoffs, come in against Saskatchewan, they lose game one, all of that. And you are 60 minutes away from having your season just done. Yep. They come back and then, you know, it goes all the way to the game three. And this team just found a way. They're trailing one nothing after 40 minutes. And the game winner, actually, it was a, there was a crazy bounce. The puck came off the Zamboni doors right in front of the net. And it's not top shelf anymore. It's upper shelf <laughs> since Tyson Upper scored oh, the gotcha. Okay. Scored the game tying goal. And then with three and a half minutes left, set play off the face off. Max Patterson 
gets it to Josh Mazer and that was it. Like that place mm-hmm. erupted. It was just so cool to see. And yeah. it's an underappreciated level of hockey. And we're seeing more and more, not just with UFC, but with all Canada West teams, these guys are going on to pro after. Yep. Yep. Riley Sawchuck was going pro as soon as his playoffs were done with Mount Royal. He was one of the last cuts from Seattle cracking camp. Yep. And it's 17 bucks to go as an adult. Yep. Well, we have Brody <laughs> DuPont on the head coach of the Cardiff uh, Devils of the uh, Elite Ice Hockey League. Great Britain's Hockey League, and he said they're that's where they're recruiting. Is they're recruiting out of of CIA, out of uh, U Sports and Canada West? And uh, you're right. Uh, I think Sachuk had a goal in his debut for the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, yeah, and over in the UK, they also just picked up a, a Banff product, uh, Ryan Barrow, who scored the um, game winning goal for the the Denver Pioneers to win the NCAA title last year. He's off to right off across the pond, injured right now. But right. Great so game. again, speaks to the caliber. I know Riley Stotts and and Dakota Krebs, a couple of former Hitmen, uh, lots of Western it's hockey. It's not a Western Canadian hockey game unless there's a Krebs playing. Right. Well, that's, that's right. <laughs> but th- their comment was this: this was the most fun they've had playing hockey just because of the way Mark Howell and his coaching staff have handled that team. Well, look at guys like Colson Gengenbach, who didn't get a sniff in the dub, kind of lower-end AJHL, and he had to fight his way onto that team. And now he scored two goals of the Crow Child Classic in front of 10,000 people. Yep. He's a contributor on this team. Captain Noah King, he played for Canada for the very first time this year and scored and got a gold medal at the Winter University Games. Yep. Like big things are happening. And on the women's side too, hmm. Calgary is going to be a murderer's row in a couple of years with Carla McLeod at the helm. Yeah. Unless she gets scooped up by the national team. But you know, like if well, she were... could do, she would do both, wouldn't she? Yeah. Right. True. She could like, she's so like players love her. They I do. saw her at one of the dinos, the men's playoff games. Yeah. And I was catching up with her and you know what? Her team had just been eliminated. They were still, Within the realm of Bender Week. Mm-hmm. But like you think about it, if you were a college player, if you saw your coach at a game and you were like really tying one on, would you be like, <laughs> would you be hiding? They were making a beeline to go see her. They wanted her over there with them. They love Carla. And I wonder how many players she's told to go to the States mm-hmm. who will now be staying here because they want to play for her. Well, and I, what I like about it is, you know, meanwhile, Mount Royals women are off to Montreal, yeah. right? Scott Rivet and his Caitlin Ross had yeah. such a great playoffs. Unbelievable goalie. Athena Hawk had a great year. Tatum, Amy, Canada West player of the year. There's just a, uh, so much talent and these players on both sides are they do a ton in the community as oh well. yeah i know you see, oh i know see so i know i see them the all the time yeah. yeah i see them all the time you're absolutely right but i i i'm really excited about it because tatum coaches in the afhl as well she's an assistant coach there. yeah 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 so giving back um well good launch point for us uh what are you hearing or are you hearing anything about uh the pwpha's uh, announcement that is forthcoming that everybody is assuming is the announcement of a new league with a i guess a cba being worked out yeah, you just got to be hopeful. Right. Like, I feel like things have maybe tipped a bit here where more people are aware of the level of talent that is especially focused in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when Rebecca Johnson thought she was retiring? Yep. And then just casual all-star. Yep. Casually doing development work with the Flames. 
it would be great to have a team here and have them really get the appreciation they deserve because it was heartbreaking even when the inferno folded right after winning yep and then they had to fight just to make sure the trophies weren't being sold yep oh no it's mm-hmm. the, the 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 last decade for women's hockey you know is well the last 6 years of women's hockey has been really there's a book in there and and I, there's the surface stories and then there's a under the surface stories. I am Tell very my favorite under the surface. Yes, stories. please. Involves uh, a good Albertan, Emerson Smashmeyer, and a wonderful defenseman by the name of Aaron Ambrose. Yep. We go back to 2018. Both of them got cut mm-hmm. from the Olympic team. Aaron was really not in a good place. She's been pretty open that she was struggling really hard at the time, and she considered quitting hockey. Emirates also had gone out to Montreal to uh, play there for the Canadian. And she said, come out here. I've really found another love for the game. We can build something here. And they did pretty good. Yeah. But they lost in the final. Yeah. And Aaron told me about them. Uh, They were sitting in the Zamboni room just crying. And they made a, a pact with each other that, they were going to make it back to the national team and they both did in Beijing. Yep. They both got their gold. And if you want to know something about leadership, Aaron still gets a text every now and then, as we all know, mental health is a journey. Mm-hmm. She still gets a text every now and then that says, it just says, how's your heart doing right. from a little someone named Marie Philippe Poulin. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, fr- it's frustrating to me. And easy for me to sit in my pulpit and cast dispersions, but let's talk about the National Hockey League and their role in all of this. They have they have been there all along and said, you know, we want, you know, we want a women's game, but we're not going to get in the middle. We're not going to, and you know, we've got. Uh, I apologize, Premier. What are we calling the PHF? PHF. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and they are listen, PHF. I thought was the weaker sister. Uh, is not um, just recently doled out a hundred seventy five thousand dollar a year contract. Um, you know that's not bad. That's almost American Hockey League money, right? Needs you know eventually it'll grow from that. Um, they're going concern, and yet we have this other league that's going to start up. And I, I don't know. I just I feel like somehow if the the NBA was played a role in the WNBA. Why can't the NHL play a role and and why do they wait for somebody, one league and all? It just seems like, you know, and I know the internal politics of all of this. There is internal politics. You know, there's internal politics, but for the betterment of the game, somebody has got to stand up and lead. It sucks to think that you have to wait for one side to fail, to build something up for sure. And I've asked Gary Bettman about this. I asked him at the start of playoffs last year when he was here. Okay. Like, all right. Are you guys in a, step in here at all because the PWHPA had just had a pretty successful run here. Yeah. And uh, he still said like, we are not touching this unless they are on the same page. And there have been continued meetings between the PWHPA led by Jana Hefford and the, the PHF, which has had some you know management turnover yeah. in the past couple of years as they rebranded and added new teams like the Toronto six. I don't know what's going to break the stalemate there. I'm not going to pretend I'm smart enough or have the insight for that one. I, I, I've, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with uh, Kristen Hag, the general manager of the, the Calgary Inferno, just after the CWHL uh, folded. And, you know, what worries me a little bit, and I, I, I brought this up last week uh, with Akeem Malou, and I brought it up again with Brent Dodging Horse, that 
sometimes we get so focused on the top end that really it's the base of the triangle that we need to worry about, that we need to make sure that we're getting players into the league. I'm not 100% sure that a Calgary team with teams in Eastern Canada works because of travel and all those sort of things, the costs and everything. Now, we'll get to costs in a second here. But you have so many players who are already based here because of the correct. national team. And that's why it makes so much sense, yeah. right? I get that part. The other is thing there that another is an issue? But is there another way of creating a second tier of creating, um, you know, almost a European model where, you know, teams out here would, would play in a league, but then would also play in a Champions League or something like that? I, I, I don't have – we were just having that conversation that I wonder if – you know, um, I, I go back to the days of the Edmonton Chimos and uh, and the Oval Extreme, and 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 I'm not calling those the glory days of women's hockey. I'm not. They were important, but that seemed like a little bit more reasonable travel than what worries me could be coming. Right, and and that again, you're putting that financial strain right out of the get go on the backs of of this league and its players. What worries me on the financial side, this is solely on Calgary. Mm-hmm. Times are tough. People mm-hmm. only have so much money in their entertainment budget. The market's getting pretty saturated for pro teams. It's kind of like pick sure your sport. Is. Pick your sport. Yeah. You betcha. And there's something to be found. And we have a lot of new teams that are getting off the ground and I hope do well. Like you want you want to see everyone succeed. Bring championships to the city. Then right. we can uh knock down Edmonton sign and make a new one for They us, don't have that sign anymore. Uh, they got they rid of it. They got they rid, got rid of, of it. City of Champions. Yeah, they got rid of they it. They did. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Tampa time. now or something like that. Isn't Tampa City of Champions or something? Um, <laughs> how, by the way, uh, Calgary Surge owner Jason Ribeiro in studio on Friday. So we will Just be having hired a coach. Didn't say who. Didn't but say he told eh? me. Told me. Yep. Okay. Contract signed. Um, today, as we're talking about, you know, uh, Carla McLeod and UFC and MRU going to a national, we're talking about the PWPHA. Uh, great timing to have you on. Two stories that are business stories that I'd like to run by you. Um, as we know, and now, do we know? Did the did Canadian soccer and the women's team come to an agreement on interim funding? Okay. And the reason I say that is Canadian soccer said they did. And then I understand the women came out and said, well, we're not there yet. Anyway, there was another story today that said there's a they're still working on a CBA, but they have an interim funding piece in place the story though is that ge um has expressed to canadian soccer that they're very concerned about this ongoing battle with canadian women's soccer and took the unprecedented step i think unprecedented of adding an extra one hundred thousand dollars to their sponsorship and saying that is earmarked for the women's national team um I know that uh, some other uh, sponsors of soccer had said the same thing that not necessarily upped it, but said they had some major concerns and that was an issue for uh, soccer Canada, Canadian tire. Um, This will, and I'm fascinated by your, your thoughts on this Canadian tire commits to gender equality sponsorship by 2026, what they spend on high performance male, they will spend on high performance female. That seems rather significant to me. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see a rise of corporate sponsors dictating 
where the money is used. And we started to see it with the World Junior Scandal mm-hmm. with Hockey Canada. Teams saying uh, there was great worry at first that, you know, all these sponsors were pulling out. And it's like, all right, but who's really going to feel the pinch? Probably the women's team, probably the para team, the younger teams. Yep. And now they're, I think those companies realize that as well. So they said, we are pulling funding from this team. Yep. Any money we give you is now going towards women's and para programs. Yep. So five, I believe there's five pro. <laughs> I'm having a little fun at the expense of our, our favorite city in the East. Um, they have identified five different areas. Founding partner Project 8, which is the women's uh, professional soccer league, which I believe includes, no, does include yep. Foothills. Yep. And um, there are going to be eight teams across Canada. The confirmed teams are Calgary and Vancouver, which is funny because Steph Labe. Yep former minister of defense. Right. And, and staying active, by the way, a playing beer league in Calgary. I hear <laughs> it's crazy because I remember uh, meeting Diana Matheson for yeah. the first time. And like, and after seeing her, the goal in 2010, yep. like astounding. And she's smaller than me. She's tiny. And that woman is a force. Yep. But being there with her, when she was announcing that project eight would have a team in Calgary at Foothills, it was in the same building where Steph Labe tried out for Foothills of the PDL, made the team, and then the league said, You can't play. You can't play. I know. So it was very cool to just see that moment kind of come full circle. But yes, uh, more teams will be announced. There's a They're hoping to attract national team members, players who've previously gone to the States, and a lot of uh, local talent that right now is going to the NCAA, sometimes U sports, but don't really have another place to go. You look at a Montana Leonard set a Canada West scoring record last season. Right. And she had to go to Tanzania. Yeah, to play. Yeah. Uh, Pardon me. No, she didn't go to. Uh, she went to Tasmania. Tasmania. My bad. Well, still not around the corner, uh, and not a direct WestJet flight. <laughs> uh, so that's one premier partner of uh, the Commercial Women's Sports Initiative, which is interesting. I have no idea. Uh, supporting partner of the WNBA game that will be in Toronto. Sold out. Hey. Yes, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a Toronto Metropolitan University is that Ryerson? Toronto Metropolitan? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, You'll rebrand. Partner in the future of Sport Lab. They're going to uh, do that. And then presenting partner of the e- ESPN W Summit in Canada just before that WNBA game. So a lot of OE stuff. But presenting sponsor of the Women's Pro League. Um, this is fairly significant. And I think you just you mentioned it a little while ago. I'm not 100% sure that this is the last we're going to see of this. I think this is the direction we're going. Absolutely. Funny you mentioned basketball, too. We had a... The Plouffe sisters were uh, kicking around on the weekend too, uh, because I mean, so many of the mm-hmm. top basketball players in Canada train train in Edmonton. Yeah, got great facilities there for that. Yep. So, yeah, facilities. You say, hmm. It's <laughs> like we could use a few of those around here. Uh, by the way, we speaking of facilities, we are in the Oodle Noodle Studio, local, love, delicious. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pick up and delivery. I am pro noodle. You are pro noodle? You like noodles? Absolutely. Noodle advocate. Oh, are you a noodle advocate? Okay. Well, I'm pro noodle and you're a noodle advocate. I think we're in the right place. Personally, a rice noodle. I'm a big rice noodle guy. Oh, really? Gal. You're a big rice noodle gal. Right? 
Or, yeah, like they're pretty interchangeable. Are they? Who needs labels? Okay, no problem. I'm not labeling. I, I said this is an inclusive <laughs> program. If you want to be a pro noodle guy, you are a pro noodle guy. You know what? David Bowie said, ladies, gentlemen, and others. And I was like, I like that. I, we're, we're good enough. <laughs> I'm going to hang on to that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Ryan Pike uh, from Flames Nation is going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, just before I let this go, are you bullish on women's sport? Are you given the opportunity? Would you want to work sidelines of an NBA game or a WNBA game? Probably WNBA. I have to say there are certain sports where I just truly enjoy covering the women's side more. Yep. I have to say the big one for me is volleyball. Okay. Um, That's, largely my background oh, is it? curling as well okay yeah. okay so there are certainly sports where i just way more enjoy covering the women's side for we, sure we hosted the uh uh hockey inspires uh, coaching day for hockey calgary in uh october and and uh carla mcleod stole the show like she was outstanding tree wasn't bad dave king's pretty good too but carla mcleod stole the show and uh she was asked the question and uh, you know if she wanted to be on an nhl staff she goes no i want to be the head coach in a women's league like in the in the top women's league i love that um we are you know and I, i've said this before and and i think you know why i say this the most important person in sports right now for me in sports broadcasting is uh, is sandra persina because she's the voice of the uh, of the Calgary Wranglers and she's getting seat time and she's doing it the right way and not the right. No, I shouldn't say the right way, but you know what I mean? Right? Like wasn't Yank I think people pull- in Calgary really cr- connect with people who pay their dues and right. are willing to do right. the grind and Sandra grinds. Right. Well, yeah. so do you too. Right. Try. You, you two grind. Good. Um, but I, but I, but I'm proud of both of you, but I'm proud of her because I think, you know, uh, again, would you agree that it doesn't help anybody when, when somebody plucks somebody and says, Hey, look, we're diverse now. Cause we just put them at the top of the mountain yeah. and you know, we check the box again, back to the bottom of the pyramid. We need to be giving opportunities. They need to be getting opportunities and things like that. Um, she's another one that I think not think she told me she'd rather call, uh, you know, high, high level women's soccer, or high level women's hockey that, that, you know, again, that to me is a fun, you see, I see that as a fundamental shift because I think initially it was, oh, well, we want, you know, we want women in sport. That means they've got to do the. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The guys games. Now what I'm seeing is we want to be in sport, but we want to do the women's games to raise the profile, which I think is an exciting place to be. Does that make any sense? Completely. And to students in broadcasting school now i remember i went to state here mm-hmm. so it did you was finish a, hmm? did you finish i did finish i didn't finish i, I did, went to I say did get my diploma i no, i didn't i just did the one year but you know it was a dog fight there because shows. there were so many people who wanted to do sports and all these guys who were like an affiliated player for one whl game just thought they had all the right to everything and they were only going to call hockey games yep it limits you oh. so it was like i like you know it's like I wasn't a big basketball wasn't my background lacrosse wasn't my background but it was like you just had to fight for those opportunities and figure it out a good broadcaster can do their homework look mm. for the storylines there weren't a lot of people that did that so like for students coming up now like I would encourage them like the guys can go cover the women's sports too Brendan Parker True. did a really great job with that uh formerly of global now with the flames uh he was great at the PWHPA uh yep. dream gap tour that was in Calgary and we yep. have more young men aspiring to cover women's sports too, because it's a really great place to be. And those stories of like people like Marie Philippe Poulin and Aaron Ambrose, why wouldn't you want to cover that? Oh, it- why wouldn't you not want to cover Marie Philippe Poulin? Why would you not want to cover Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky, Julia Grosso, the next gen coming up? <laughs> uh, th- that to me is is the it, because I'm getting old now. You know, I like I. I you know, I remember the Chimos and I remember then the Oval Extreme and I, how unique and crazy and weird and that was. And I never see, I don't have anything to really draw on like that. I'm from a really small town. There was no girls hockey. I got into hockey because I had like my cousin played, my dad sure. played. I had a thousand billet brothers. Yeah. So I got in by doing play by play. Right. And I always thought it was like NHL or bust. And I used to volunteer for Hockey Canada. And my first big event for them was the um hockey canada foundation gala in vancouver after the sochi olympics and they were doing the order of hockey in canada inductions and it was claire drake steve eiserman and france saint louis mm-hmm. and i thought like steve eiserman kootenai guy technically we are claiming him technically yeah his Ex- grandma used to live except- to my auntie, Ex- but i thought like seeing steve eiserman i was like oh my god steve eiserman's here yeah i don't remember anything about his speech i remember everything about france saint louis mm-hmm. she was talking about growing up in quebec and girls not being allowed to play and tucking her hair up in a hat so no one would know and playing and going on to really change the game for so many women yep. and now just even seeing more games for like the women's world championship and hockey being broadcast i see my my dad in his late 50s tuning in to watch finland and the u.s like canada's not even playing it's there so it's the, funny, like it seems the, like a big shift now where some people think we're just shoving it down their throats, but it's like, this is going to seem so normal for the next generation. Ch- change is, very yeah, exciting. Ch- change <laughs> is hard and, and, you know, it's easy to be a dummy. 
Um, having said that, there's no better rivalry in hockey right now. None. I mean, the, the, you know, there is an issue. I, you know, it's not to suggest that there aren't issues. We definitely need to find a way to fast track some more. You know, we've arrived when we can talk about the teams and say you're doing and start to criticize a little bit. Like, right. You know, but it, it's, it's, but it's no, but I don't want to. Is this the goal you went with? We can like, it's going to get to a point no. where it's not just like, isn't this nice? Isn't this great? It's going to be like, all right. We're all here. Now let's talk about being good the, and being great. The most important. Here's that. the thing that I'm looking forward to. The most important thing that can happen in hockey is that Chechia wins another medal at a World Cup very soon or at, at the World Championships because we saw Sweden upset and we've seen Finland once with a hot goalie. What we need or we need the other countries now to raise their water. And that 14-year-old from Finland? Yeah. Right? If I could whistle, I would. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can whistle, but it, it's not going to help. Um, all right, let's do this. We're we're not done with you. You're not going anywhere, right? You're going to stick around. Okay. I'm here. I think I live on this couch now. You... It's a good spot. <laughs> it's a nice spot, right? I got something I'm supposed to read. When my studio oh. is bigger than my first. Here, no, what are we? <laughs> I had a I had a liner here to read. Where am I? Ah, screw it. You want to sponsor this show? We'd love you to sponsor this show. Go to, to robker.ca slash sponsorship. You'll find the information. Send us a note. We'll send the Wolverine after you. We'll find a creative way to get you involved in this program. You can be part of it. And uh, here's another note. If you want to play an active role in uh, women's sport, I might know somebody who could do a podcast. Just saying. Might, I might. I might. And And now we lost Pike. Another show. I've got to do another show. Uh, joining us uh, here on the program is the uh, guy, I, again, talking about not sleeping. Uh, <laughs> we did the mailbag today. Uh, Ryan Pike, our Flames Insider, joins us here on a Monday. How are you, sir? I think I finally recovered from the weekend. I think my weekend was almost as on busy a- as Cammy's. All right, hold on, Ryan. I've, I've kicked something out with my big clumsy feet. We're going to, do I need to do anything with him? No? Okay. Leave oh, it with you. Wait. What's better, a pike or a cutthroat trout? Uh, pike caught in the north, not in the south, because it's mushy. <laughs> if it's caught in the north and it's very uh, cold water, it tastes almost like a fillet. Um, cutthroat trout, I wouldn't eat because they're endangered in most places, so yeah, I'd rather them breed, back. right? I would put them back. I would not put a pike back. No, I put him back, but I wouldn't put a pu- yes. This this Ryan Jones. I would say the pike is the ugliest of the fish. Not the case for our dear friend Ryan Pike, though. Thank goodness. Well, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this crew. I'm looking at this crew. Talking trash. No, I'm looking at this crew, and and you got a, a a sucker fish in one corner. You've got a pike in another corner, and you've got a a, a, a tropical. Uh, a pretty fish, a p- parrotfish. Right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there good. we go. Can How you hear you me now? now? I can hear you now. It I'm. Uh, like- I, I was going to say my weekend. I no one's as busy as Cammy, but I, I aspire to try to be a close second at times. And whew, that was that was a, a busy from like Thursday through Sunday. It seemed like it never stopped. He's talking to you. Oh, I can't hear him. You can't hear him. Do you see my headphones? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's on us. Of all of this, of all the problems. Why might I want to hear? And it's just a great line. And I'm like, oh, go ahead, respond. I'm sorry for killing your thunder. No, no, no. Don't, don't, (laughs) no. Yeah, see, see, Rob, this is is what happens when we try to be nice to Cammy. (laughs) 
no, this is this is what happens when I try to do too many things at once, right? <laughs> and I couldn't get your audio, and then I get your audio, but I don't have headphones for Cammy, who's got. By the way, I have not uh, complimented you because I, I, you know, I'm I'm a pretty reserved guy. But the Nordiques too. Thank you. Yeah. People have two reactions to it. They love it or they get really upset. To which I have to say, like, they can't. Upset. They get upset. They're like, I mean, covering the Flames doesn't mean that you have to be like a Flames fan. Even though I'd like to see them succeed because it's fun to cover playoffs and all that. But people get upset about it. I'm like, they can't hurt you. They're gone. I. I found okay. this at a flea market in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and I'm never giving it up. So the good news is, if I have this correct, Ryan can hear you, so you can respond yeah. to that. Yeah, you can respond to that. I can it's hear funny. Cammie. She just yeah. can't hear me. That's right. Well, then we're working on it. Don't worry about it. We got a plan in place. It's all good. I just we didn't, have solutions, people. I just here. didn't think this through. <laughs> this is on me. But having said that, are you a fan? Because I I've said this for years. I am not a, the last team I was a fan fan of Montreal Expo. I, I like a lot of people. I said, I like Daryl. I like a lot of the players. If the team has success, people that I like, I don't live and die with the losses like a fan does. Who do you, do you Ryan have a team in sport that you still live and die oh, with the losses? I mean, it used to be the Chicago Cubs, but I mean, once, once okay. they won the world series, I mean, you were was, good. <laughs> yeah, I and, needed, and right? I think the I think the problem was like the Ricketts family. Once they won their championship, they realized that they could still make crap tons of money without really doing anything useful with the team. And yeah. so they tore it down, and then they put all the money into yeah. redeveloping the area. So Wrigley's not the same as it used to be. And right, you know, it's 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 a business that happens to involve a baseball team rather than a baseball team that run that's run like a business. And well, that I don't know. that's the Expos too, right? You know, unfortunately, I, yeah. To me, I, 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 the only thing I cling to, I think, no, that's not true. I cling to two things. I do believe it was in an 04. Um, and one day when we have some time, I'll tell you my Zamboni story with Darren Pang and, and all of that. Uh, and then, and that's how we all learned about the parallax angle. That's how we all learned about parallax angles. But I also contend 94, the Expos would have rolled over everybody and it would yeah. have been a third straight World Series in Canada after two. I've, the, I've uh, never seen a team that, with that much balance throughout their entire lineup. They could they could do a little of everything, and they oh could do everything God. well, and then nothing. And then, Starting like, pitchers, they could run the bases, they could hit the, the you know, off the, you know, Grissom, and oh my gosh. Anyway, I digress. Um, Cammy, can you hear Ryan now? Uh, and we're going to do a little bit of an audio check, and we're going to challenge Ryan at the same time. Can you name every starting Flames goalie of the 2010s for me while I uh, try to get <laughs> oh, your voice in my ears? I don't think we need that much time. Of the, just... 2010s. Oh, of the 2010s. Of the 2010s. Okay. Do we... we thought Yoni Ordeo was the future? Oh, no I one did. thought that, though. The only I did. Thought that the I thought, that thought it was Yoni Ordeo. I thought it was Yoni Ordeo. I thought it was Cam Kerry Ramo. I thought at one point it might be Danny Taylor. But Dangerous I was wrong. Danny Taylor. Hey. What a great AHL goalie. I great AHL goalie who was born in England, by the way. Yep. Uh, and they actually the, they 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 signed him midseason because they they had a couple of injuries and they ran out of healthy goalies and they had to call up somebody. And the only somebody they had available was Dangerous Danny Taylor. So yep. he got a, he got a, a, a NHL deal because he was simply around and healthy. Yep. But he beat Vancouver four one. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we want to go back, 
Rob. We can go back to the year of eight goalies when Oof. the Flames. Remember that it was it was it was at the it was the uh, the year where they were you know they had, they basically spun their wheels with, since they traded Mike Vernon for Steve Chason. And the thought process at the time, I remember, yep. you know, that they're they're like, oh, you know, I think Al Coates at the time was like, oh, don't worry, you know, they got they got Ken Reggett from Pittsburgh. It'll be great. And yeah, on paper, Ken Reggett made a lot of sense, and they got hurt two weeks in, and then. Everybody, it was like the Bermuda Triangle of goalies where everybody they tried ended up getting injured in a weird way. And then I think they ended up, was it, they ended it up in January signing Freddie Brathwaite from the from the national team back when they had a, na- a standing national team because yep. he was the only person in town who was yep. a high-level goalie. So they basically, the story I was told was one of the pro scouts was just in FDB randomly, saw, you know, saw him practicing and went, he looks pretty good. Let's take him. Yeah. And he ended up, you know, he, he turned it into a pretty good NHL career. So he did. And I, be, and I believe, who is he with now? And I remember that Freddie's working with some NHL team, but they always blur together with me which one he's with. I don't. I know his brother Rod works for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, that Sorry, where does he work? Vegas. Vegas. He works Vegas. in Vegas. Yeah, because yeah, he, he, he worked for Henderson in Vegas for a bit. So there you I, go. Think he's still, I think he's still working primarily with Hendo. Only because we're trying to out-random each other. Uh, that year, we were driving from Estevan back to Alberta, and I was listening to the Calgary Flames and the Philadelphia Flyers. And Andre Trepilov was winning 3 nothing going into the third period and lost 4-3. He was hot garbage. So I do remember, I do remember that season. And- Andre Trepilov, a 12th round pick. Uh, yes. The Flames also brought up Igor Karpenko from the Johnstown Chiefs. Uh, formerly the the, the anti Garner anti Garner anti Garner who uh, I believe uh, the, you know they, we were we were joking about this in the press box so uh, the Flames did the uh, the Black History Month jerseys earlier yep. this week yep. and they did a fantastic job with it I I love yep. the design of the jerseys but uh, some of our media colleagues were joking that you know the the the, the pain in the butt was. All the goalies or all the players on, on the Flames had they had they were all wearing number twelve, but they all had personalized name bars. So, like, say yeah. Markstrom's out there, he's wearing twelve with Markstrom, and so on and so forth. And we were joking that oh, you know, they should they should you know do custom jerseys for all, all the uh, you know the Flames had uh, two black goalies. They had. Uh, well, they had Grant, Fuhrer and they had Grant Fuhrer, they had Fred Brathwaite, and I yeah. chimed in. I'm like, you guys are this is Tyrone Garner erasure yeah. because Tyrone Garner played one NHL game. And then I believe he went back to junior and then he got converted to being a forward because they had either too many goalies or he just didn't like goalie anymore, which I find fascinating. Just the idea that a guy who had already played in the NHL decided not to be goalie anymore. He played, he played defense in Norway division two. I interviewed him. Good kid. Yeah. Oh no. It's a great story. Like you're right. Like if you remember, they tried to reboot shootout on hockey night in Canada. And he was the Calgary Flames goalie in that. And it was all shot in the summer. And they had fake trees and a whole nine yard. And Tyrone Garner, who was an 18-year-old kid out of the O, he was the, the Flames goalie in that. All the memories. What so a, much better to talk year. about than the Saturday game. Well, the, yeah, because we, we we go from the year of two goalies, or the year of eight goalies, to perhaps the year of zero goalies. Although, I'll say this, Ooh. after after the wow. after the years where we've, like, we've spent probably the entire season, to various degrees, bitching about the goaltending. Yes. Holy cow, Markson has been so good the last week, and he's gotten one goal of run support. Yep. But the best goaltending he's given the team, probably since last season, when he was the runner-up for the Vezina, and one goal of run support. 
care to opine why? Oh man, if I if I knew that, then Bradford Lee would probably corner me and try to make me tell him. Um, I I think there's just a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you know, they're they're a fundamentally sound team. You know, they're they're they. I, I was commenting to one of the, one of our colleagues uh, during the press box on Saturday night, the idea that, you know, they're, they're a team that, you know, there's 200 feet of ice out there and they're pretty good for like 160, 170 feet of them. And then it's the last 10 feet right around the net on either side, which is killing them. And they have the puck a lot. They manage the puck reasonably well. They get lots of shots granted far away shots. Like there's shot, you know, they're, their heat map at times kind of resembles a donut and they defend reasonably well, but when they make mistakes, they're big mistakes. And when the other team makes mistakes, they just don't, they haven't shown the ability to jump all over them the way they have. And I think, you know, I think to a certain extent, maybe it's wearing on them. Um, I've never been, actually I have been in locker rooms like we were in on Saturday night, but I would just, I use the term funereal on Twitter to describe the atmosphere. Uh, the guys just seem down in every sense of the word. And, you know, you got, we, we, the, I distinctly remember, I believe, I think it was the Toronto uh, post game where Blake Coleman was asked a question about, you know, what the team needs to do. And he just sort of, actually, uh, Julian McKenzie from the athletic asked, what do you make of this game? And he just sort of gave the thousand yard stare and then just sort of sighed and then started answering. And that's, that's basically the way the season's been going. They've been doing, most things well, some things very well, but the things they're doing poorly at and the times in which they're doing them poorly are killing them. And, you know, I was joking with someone, they could very much, like if you told me based on how the team is playing, hey, if they run it back to the exact same group, like hockey's weird, could mm-hmm. could they have a better could they have better result? Oh, 100%. They could, like, this kind of reminds me of, remember 14-15, where it was the find-away flames and, you know, yep. the nerds like me who who follow, uh, you know, PDO and stuff like that, you know, they were they were getting every possible bounce they possibly could get. Everything was going great. 15-16, on paper, they were a better hockey club. They added Dougie Hamilton. They You know, they were just a flat-out better hockey team, and they just had no luck whatsoever. And chemistry was kind of a weird thing. Like, it took them a year and a half to figure out where Dougie Hamilton fit in. They had the same problem with Travis Hammock when he brought him in, when they mm-hmm. brought him in. Uh, goaltending's always been sort of a bugaboo, but it seemed like Markstrom was the right guy. And I think I still fundamentally really like the, the Markstrom Vladar tandem, but it's just so many weird little things just kill them. And it's, it's like every, they can't get out of their own way at times. Yep. And I wouldn't even put the blame on the players. It's just sometimes things don't go your way and they don't have the ability to work their way out of the the jams they work themselves into. It's funny that you brought up like the heat maps and how it looks like a donut sometimes. I mentioned uh, earlier that I, I go back to some parallels between now and the bubble season, not bubble playoffs, but the bubble season itself. There was a 4-1 loss to Winnipeg that didn't even mathematically eliminate them. But to me, that felt like the end. That was the end of hope. I almost feel the same way about the Boston game because looking at those heat maps, it wasn't a donut. It was a Timbit. They were right there and they just still weren't getting those bounces. And maybe that's why it felt like such a backbreaker for them. Yeah. Well, especially like since the all-star break, they've won three games and like this, they came in the all-star break. Like they, they were in a position where they could play their way into it. Like they were within spitting distance, within shouting distance. They, you know, and they had a favorable schedule and, it was just a question of, okay, can they go on a run? They had all the, you know, if you told me, 
hey, Ryan, they have all the all the rest the recipes in place, all the elements to go on a run, I'd say, yeah. I mean, they have a goalie who was really good last year. They have a defensive group that has been very good at times in the past. They have a forward group that have had recent success. One, the, the guy they just got, they have two new forwards on the team from last year. One of them won a Stanley Cup, and one of them set the all-time left-wing assist record. On paper, this should be working. But it's just a lot of little things haven't worked. I would – you know, uh, if if you ask me what the biggest challenge I think they've had this year is, I think the big challenge is like Huberdeau hasn't worked the way anyone, including Jonathan Huberdeau, would have wanted him to. And I think the challenge is when you have a piece that's that important not working, they have to keep moving him around to different lines to see if they can get him working or moving other wingers around to see if they can get him working. They had him, you know, after he missed some time in November with an injury, they threw him on Michael Backlund's line. And granted, mm-hmm. Michael Backlund is probably the most trusted player of the Flames system because he can just do everything. Per- he, you know, Michael Backlund is one of those classic players that you can argue he has no elite areas in his game, but he has no weak areas in his game. He just maybe if you want to criticize him, he's not a great finisher. Okay. Boo-hoo. But he's good at everything else. And you put him with good players like Pani, I think has, has benefited hugely in his young career from playing with Michael Backlund as much as he has. But if you, if you said to me, how do you fix Huberto? I'd say, okay, throw with Backlund. That makes sense. And it worked. And then they moved him off that line because yep. they need Backlund to be the shutdown guy and all due respect to him. Huberto probably shouldn't be on that line if that's the role. And Huberto has sort of shown fits and starts of offensive prowess, but, you know, he still doesn't seem comfortable. They, you know, they put, you know, Jacob Pelche on that line to give them a boost. And, you know, I thought, you know, Daryl Sutter had uh, unprompted actually uh, this morning, a nice, uh, a nice bit of praise for Pelche, just noting, you know, he was asked about sort of the changing lines by Brendan Parker and, the, the 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 polite thing that he said was, you know, Jake has been good everywhere we put him. And yeah, he has been good everywhere they put him. And I think the challenge is if you're, you know, right now I'd say they're probably using Pelji to try to get some other guys going. And it's worrying that they're using a 21-year-old mm-hmm. kid as sort of a catalyst when, if anything, you know, in the past they've used, you know, they've used Backlund as a guy who can catalyze the, the young guys, get them going. But they were using – it's good to have a Pelche to, to get guys going, but it's kind of a, a challenge when that's that's the trump card you have to play, right? All right. Question for both of you, and uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. Um, I asked – well, we talked about it. I don't think I asked Cammy about this earlier. Do the, does this organization need a reboot? And if it needs a reboot, what reboot does it need? Reboot in what sense? You tell me. It's an open-ended question. I'll give you this. I think the you said it last week, Ryan – Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Playoffs, out of playoffs, in playoffs, out of the playoffs. Great years, bad years. Players gone. Play. It just, there's no continuity with his organization. There's none. And I think it's a safe organization. I don't think they take a lot of risks. Um, you know, I think it's an organization that has a general manager, you know, that's on an ex- aspiring contract. So that is an opportunity, I suppose. Does this organization, in your eyes, need a reboot? I'd say so. I, I, I'll i say this. I'll say this. Daryl Sutter, I think, has said a lot of smart things about the fa- the market and the fan base. It's a, it's a really educated fan base. Like, I had an Uber driver on my way into the rink for deadline day, and we were just chatting. And, you know, he's following the team. He knows, he knows about, you know, Coronado. He knows about, Pel- you know, he knew about, you know, and this is, you know, I think this is representative of the average fan in the city is pretty on the ball in terms of knowing what's up and, and what they like and what they don't like. And so I think if you're really clear with the fans about what you're doing and why, 
they're on board. Like they just don't want to be, they don't want to feel like they're having the wool pulled over their eyes. So if you can, whatever happens, I think, you know, whoever's the general manager in May, June, July, whenever, whenever they, they decide their, their forward uh, state of affairs, just be, you just lay out the, lay out what the plan is. You don't need to tell us the minutia of the plan because I get not wanting to give up, you know, your strategic uh, situation. You don't want to give, you know, too much information to the guys you're competing against. But if you, if you say, Hey guys, here's what we're trying to do. We we're looking for X. We're trying to do Y here's, you know, and that, that's your, that's your, uh, your fallback. Like you, you and I have talked Rob in the past about, you know, I, I, I thought one of the things that worked pretty well uh, for Marin Enchi to cross streams a bit was he had, when he ran for mayor in 2010, he had his 10 great, 10 big ideas yep. and he, everything he did tied into the big ideas. And so from a calm strategy, if you want to, if you want to convince folks that the mayor knows what he's doing, you can pull everything back to those big ideas. And I think to a large extent, hockey ops kind of needs to run that way too. You don't need to tell us everything, but if you have sort of a clear directive of here's what we're doing and why, then you can anytime someone you do something and one of us folks goes, I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you doing that? They can tie it back to the big idea. And I think it makes you want to see a letter like New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers style and just see them like put it out there. I don't know if you need something as dramatic as a letter, but I kind of like that. The idea that you're, you're hey, guys, I think manifested their super team by like just giving in and saying this is what it is. Yeah, but I hate that whole idea of we lost. And we were yeah. we're sad we lost. Like losing's part of this. You you accept that. Yeah. I just and, or the, the the losing should be towards a greater purpose. Like as in if the idea like if if you told me, you know, in in you know that 14 or the 13 14 season, like the first rebuild season. I'm sorry. Jay never said rebuild, but the first re- wasn't allowed the, to. The new direction season. Every single loss felt like it meant something because yep. you know, I've brought up that that the line brawl they had in Vancouver, like that was an important moment for the catalyzation of the team's identity. And if you say the whole, you know, it's like we we made Marcher down to the captain, that's that tells you what we think our identity is, and this is what we're doing. Like we're bringing in kids, we're going to have Marcher down to teach them how to be pros, Matt Station teach them how to be pros, and then we're going to do a step. We're going to try to take some steps. It might take us a little while to get there, but here's what we're doing, and here's what we're going for. Good. That's, at least that way, if you're if you're the average fan, you can go like, "Oh, are the Flames any good this year?" Well, they said they're trying to do X, Y, and Z, and you know, let's go to a game. Let's see how it goes. Because at least say this: if you're going to like a, a an AHL game right now, you know what the AHL team is all about because they win all the time. But you also know in the back of your mind they're a development organization and their their goal is to create good players for the Flames. So you kind of know what they're all about just from the basis of the existence of the league. Whereas with the flames, it seems like, you know, are they, you know, are, are institutionally, are they content with sort of being a happy to be their playoff team? Oh no. Last so couple of years. You, sometimes. But you sent that message when you brought in Daryl, right? Daryl, yeah, you don't Darryl, bring in Daryl Sutter to, to, to rebuild or to put around the middle. Right. No, no. But what, so what will Daryl do knowing that he has the extension now, barring whatever happens with the GM, you have a lot of players on expiring contracts next he's, season. He's getting his money, though. Are, like, you're going to have to have those conversations with those guys this summer to prevent another Goudreau situation. For the record, we and mentioned that's going to determine whether, like to your earlier question, Rob, whether yeah. it is reboot time. Backlund, Lindholm, Toffoli, Dubé, Zadorov, Hannafin, and Tanev next year. 
next yeah. year, not this year, next year. Yeah. And, 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 and with the cap only nudging up a little bit, like this, I think this is the, what, what's your three-year plan off season? The, like say, if like, let's say, let's say you re you re up for Brad, Brad, you're living for another three years. What's the purpose of that? What are you trying to do? What is he, what are you trying to accomplish? But the did, idea we not, is, did we not get a little insight? Was it not you? And I, I apologize. I'm not saying that accusingly, but was it not you that put, put the story out or uh, posted the Friedman note about the flames were in on Meyer? Yeah. Flame, flame, actually, so if they yeah. were in on Timo Meyer, that kind of gives to you. Be fair, to be fair, yes. they're in yeah. on everybody. They kicked no, out everybody. In fair, yeah. In fairness. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. But that gives us a little insight, does it not? Yeah, it does. And I and I think the idea, you know, they like they've been in on a lot of big pieces. They've been and let's let's let's, let's call a spade a spade. They got some big pieces. I mean, Mackenzie Weger, a guy who was that good at the defensive side of of the game, that's a big piece. Right. And uh, Jonathan Huberto, if you know, have, has a good summer, clears his head, hangs out at a Caribbean island for a month, and then comes back with the with the you know with the cobs where it's cleared out because like. You know, I imagine there's probably there's just a weird year for him on a personal level going from Florida to here. You know, especially like if you if you thought you were going to be in Florida forever and you thought the call you were going to get from Bill Zito is him saying, hey, let's uh, let's start talking extension. And it was mm-hmm. actually you're going to Calgary. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I can get that that sort of a kick in the teeth. So do you remember a couple of years ago, the Blues actually told Jake Allen to go home for a week? Yep. Yeah, I and do. kind of. I do sort himself out. I wonder why we haven't seen another team ever really do that. Mm. Or whether there would be a benefit in the long run for a player like Huberto, like a guy's pride too. Like maybe he doesn't want to do that, but I wonder like players who struggle in this way, like if you gave them the option, like mental health break, go like. That was supposed to, that's usually what the all-star break is though. That's usually what a lot of players use the all-star break for because like you're in the middle of the grind and you know, like you're basically, especially if you have like a family in, yeah. in, in, in market, it's basically when you're at home, you spend the first day or so getting used, getting back to home stuff and figuring out what you need to do. And then it's practice game, practice game, practice game. Then you fly away. Then it's very regimented. And like your, your life is so regimented pretty much, for the entire season that you know out of if you get like eight days out of 190 200 days to actually just decompress i you know a lot of that's why a lot of players don't like the all-star game like they 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 love the you know they're always yeah, but you want the time yeah oh god if you can get the if you especially yeah. if you like don't get a chance to see your loved ones very much and then you get like nine days off if I were them, like I'd say, I would take the suspension. If the league's like, oh, you know, if uh, if you if you can't play in the All Star game, you got to miss a game. Sure, cool, whatever you need to do. I'm burnt out. And yep. if we're burnt out on the media side, I can't imagine what the player side. Oh, I, I agreed. All right, uh, a couple of quick hitters here with you. Uh, anything new on the arena? We got a meeting Friday. Don't uh, I assume they we do? Gonna, we yep. do. You and me. That's right, Rob. It's your turn to it's fix my this. Turn. <laughs> and another. Well, I mean, thing. I mean, yeah. I'll be I'll be sitting with some of my media colleagues and sort of reading a book and hoping that they are able to say anything. But they're you know they're they're, they're nudging along. Gary Bettman was like, I find this kind of funny. So uh, your best friend Gary yep. Bettman was in town. He was, and, and he uh, he was very upbeat. Very you know he. The weird thing is, here's I find this very fascinating. So there was a, a deal in 20, 2019. Like there was a, a deal done between 2019 and the end of 2021. Yet he's saying now this is the most upbeat he's felt about it. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I guess I'm going to like, I'm going to be skeptical 
just by nature until we get a shovel in the ground. Like once there's a hole, they got to fill the hole with something. Well, that's what Cammy was saying. You said that before is that the, the, the conversations were a bit of a surprise to some people, right? Completely. Yeah. I I'm the same way. Yeah. But I don't know. I think, I think there is the fundamental issue is still like, you know, they have a, they have a spot where they want it. They have, yep. the city has a bunch of money they would like to spend on it. The, you know, the flames have a certain amount of money they're willing to spend on it. And it's just a question of, can you find someone to come in and be your angel investor and say, here's some money. You can build the thing you want, or they have to hack like a hundred million dollars out of a budget. And I don't know if you want to value engineer something like if the idea that this is going to be a, a big piece of civic infrastructure for the next 30, 40, 50 years, do you want to be quibbling over a little bit of that kind of stuff right now? Like, <laughs> For a politician, 30 or 40 years is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's three or four days, three or four weeks, three or four months. That's where they're worried about, right? They're only worried about the next election. That's, sorry, that's the reality of it. And and you're right. I mean, that's where I keep coming back to a hero. Like, we need somebody who's a visionary to stand up and go, this is what it's got to be, and sell us all on it, and and kumbaya, and, and link arms, and God bless us, and one and all, and look at what we have. But... We're not there yet. Um, just an overall thought, uh, Ryan, on the uh, trade deadline from an NHL perspective. Uh, a lot has been made, and you probably got those questions in the mailbag about, did we see a fundamental shift in management of team rosters and assets with draft picks um, because of some of the the ways general managers and teams went about their business this year? I'll say this. It was weird, and I love weird. Like, just the idea of, like, you know, how, like, there was so many teams that were willing to be third parties. There were so many teams willing to retain salary. There, like, we saw, like, three team trades. We saw retained salary trades. We saw, like, you know, we, we saw, you know, Vladislav Domestikov got traded twice in a week. Actually, right. in three days. He, I think he didn't, he basically got to San Jose. They assigned him a number, then they traded him right away. That's hilarious to me. And I just, I just thought it was, like, it was that kind of a year where, it seemed like GMs were thinking, okay, the cap is what it is. Let's see if we can help each other. And for once, it wasn't just Tampa Bay being creative. Like, I think I would say this is the rest of the league learning from Tampa Bay, looking at what the, the Lightning were doing and, and Julian Breesbaugh and going, okay, let's just, let's just do what they're doing. If they're playing three-dimensional chess, why isn't everybody else? What's coming up on Flames Nation this week? I know you did the mailbag today. There's a game in Dallas tonight. You know, it continues on. But the trade deadline does seem somewhat of a milestone in the season. What What are you anticipating? What are you talking about this week? Well, we're going to start doing a lot of uh, – we're doing our prep work for the draft, uh, Rob. I think that's sort of a good indication of where things are going. Uh, okay. You see our internal Slack. It's sort of, if we're starting to debate over – Oh, do you think they're going to do a center in the first round? Do you think they're going to yeah. uh, a defenseman in the first round? There's a good Swedish defenseman, uh, Axel Sandin Palika. Right and shot. There's one spot in the the Flames prospect pool that might be lacking a little. There, bit. there's a couple European right shot defensemen who've played pro this year in, in Europe. Who uh, I'm just saying, you know, just they saying. seem pretty. They seem pretty flamesy. They've yeah. seemed pretty flamesy, but we'll see. So we're going to start getting into that. Uh, and, you know, we got uh, a lot of Wranglers going on. A lot of mm. the Flames play four games this week. And we'll see We'll see how they go because, you know, the, the fat lady has yet to sing, for lack of a better term. I think she's doing her warm-ups, though. She's definitely, you know, yeah. doing her, her vocal exercises and getting ready to sing. And, you know, it's it's the question of, you know, they – I think right now the Flames, their maximum points is 100-something points. So – 
do they want to make a run at that or are they content with sort of making their draft position a little bit better? It's uh, it's not dull. It's not over. And uh, when we talk next Monday, I'm very curious to see where they are in terms because this today, seven points back with a couple teams in front of them now. Where will they be in a week? Ryan, great work leading up to the trade deadline and through. Uh, we'll catch you at flamesnation.ca. Thanks for joining us today, pal. Thanks, Sammy. I think like the most 2023 Flames way this season could end is being mathematically eliminated on a night off. Um, <laughs> wouldn't it be going to game 82 with a mathematical chance and then getting blown out? Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I don't really want to have that. that would, I, prefer I would that. rather I be positive. That. I would rather be positive. Uh, we are live in the Oodle Noodle studio. Uh, Rob and Cammie with you this afternoon. We bring the heat. Uh, try the butter chicken mac and cheese, hmm? Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai Classic, vegetarian and gluten-friendly options as well. Pick up and delivery at the two locations, 1244 uh, 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Um, let's talk about you. Where where are you at? Uh, fairly significant announcement made uh, last week by... Uh, your parent company, um, and we've begun to hear some of the uh, fallout and the impact. How does it impact Cami Kapke? Uh, it's been a pretty pretty tough week for those of us in the in the global system. A number of uh, really talented online journalists have been laid off, but here in Alberta, there will be no more local sports casts uh, going forward. I think we have until the end of the month. So uh, for me, that means that uh, with no sports cast here, Moses Woldu will be our sports reporter mm -hmm. for the time being. It looks like I am being moved back to the news side of things, which is my background. Um, I've done news for a long time before I was able to do full time sports, uh, particularly a lot of court, a lot of crime. Yeah. Didn't love it. But no. no, no. But um, what really hurts me about this one is that we could cover local teams that the TSNs and the sports nets do not have the capacity to cover. Yeah. And as an anchor, I had the ability to make sure we were going to have women's sports in every cast. And it wasn't just about the flames. We were able to go cover the crap out of the max when little league baseball was here, even just uh, AFHL playoffs and uh, university, because there's so many great stories there that you only find by being around there. Like there was a, a player, Dylan Calambe on mm -hmm. the Dinos basketball team. He had a heart transplant last year and he's still able to play university ball. Stories like that are uh, really important. And I worry that they're going to get lost in the mix without that local coverage going forward. But some things don't change, and I'm not going to stop pulling those insane sure. weekend shifts to try to try to get them out there as much as we can. Yeah, and, and uh, not at all attempting to defend anything, or and, nor am I looking to to stir anything up. I think it's just you know you're you're another person that's caught in this dramatically changing world of of sport and news coverage. Um, you know, I've I've rallied against this before, so this is nothing new. But um, it's kind of a, it's always been a long-term mistake for me to, to monetize news and sports and, and to put uh, ratings on them and things like that. As soon as we did that, we, we changed the game forever and we're not serving the, the ultimate need of the, of, of, you know, the public by providing them with the information. It's, it's just is now there's platforms like this and you know, what, what, you know, the nation network's doing and what others are doing, I hope is going to be the catch all for this when it's all said and done, but you're, you're, you're too talented not to be 
still part of this mix. Um, having said that, uh, it should be pointed out, because I don't think we've talked about this. You have mentioned the Maritimes. You have mentioned British Columbia, and I believe you mentioned the Prairies. Where have you not worked in this great nation of ours? Ontario. That's the only place. That's the only province I've not filed a story from. Is Ontario. Yeah. I filed from all over BC, all over Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, Quebec, all across the Maritimes, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Wow. Wow. And the, the Maritimes do have a special place for you, correct? That was my first TV job. I was uh, 21 years old, packed up my Chevy Cruze, and I was ready to drive from Prince George to Moncton, New Brunswick. It was February. I made it as far as Edmonton and shipped my car the rest of the way. Ah, okay. But it was... <laughs> It was great out there. I was only, and the, you know, the thing was, I was only news when I was hired out there. And they told me, you're never going to be doing sports. Mm -hmm. I won my first RTDNA in sports in my first year out there. You weasel your way in. I was able to do color commentary for the Moncton Wildcats and St. John Sea Dogs. I was able to chase Wayne Gretzky across the province. I accidentally called Wendell Clark old once out there. And you get to meet the Connor Garlands, the Jacob Peltiers, the Thomas Shabbats before they become who they are in the big show. So I'm very grateful for my time out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I it, again, it, it's just this ever changing landscape that we're dealing with. And I don't, I know it benefit, it has to benefit somebody. I still don't see the benefit to it. Um, you know, I, again, I am old, but um, my gosh, you know, global not having sports just seems so, you mentioned the great Ed Whalen, but you know, I go back to sports at 11, my first go around in Calgary and, and all of those guys. And, and, you know, the, my dear friend, Joe sports, who I, I only got to work with for a little while, but his impact and, uh, you know, Grant Pollock and what he means to this city, there's long, long tradition of, you know, of great sportscasters and great, probably the best outlet I would say for truly understanding the fun in sports. I mean, you, you've gone through some of the video, uh, you know, some of the things that those guys did in sports at 11 and some of the things that Joe did and, and stuff like that, there was always, it, 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 you know, eventually it morphed into more, you know, true journalism, I suppose, but it was fun. It was always fun to watch. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, it's been really cool during the pandemic uh, when sports were canceled. My big project was taking all of like our beta cam and our tape stuff in the basement and starting to digitize it because that stuff will eventually break down and be lost. But it's so cool to look back and see the fun things they did, but mm -hmm. also the way that sports shaped the trajectory of our city and the world at large, like crazy things have happened. We still have all the old viz of um, Nedved defecting at the max. Yeah. At the max tournament. Yeah. yeah. Defecting at the max tournament. We Peter have Nedved. viz of him walking out of the police station with his hockey bag, still smiling and wearing his bright red Jofa bucket at a Calgary Canucks practice at Max Bell because they had to do something with them yeah. while they were waiting for those immigration hearings. Things like that. In uh, 1989, after the Flames won the Stanley Cup, they sent the team to the Soviet Union yep. for a friendship tour. Yep. We have shots of Doug Gilmore running around the Moscow airport accusing people of being KGB. Really? And like, chances are. Yeah, well, yeah, chances are they were, probably but still. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they found, a, like the guys, um, like the players themselves, like some of this footage includes stuff that they took, like on the bus and stuff. Apparently, Lanny was the one in charge of handling all the money. <laughs> well, which seems like like of that group, probably the most trusted. Well, Lanny wouldn't have been there because that was after the Stanley Cup. Lanny he retired. There. He was, eh? Yeah. 
Okay. No, he's there. Maybe he was just like an ambassador. He might have been. Yeah, that's probably what he mm-hmm. was. But I don't know. Did you have any vis of uh, a young Yaramir Yager? Because oh, yes, right. Because no, the we flames would have. Lube shorts too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Both which are legendary for different reasons. And yeah, but like you mentioned, like Grant and those guys, and I've ever actually got to meet Grant Pollock. I would love to. You've never met Grant I've never Pollock. Met Grant Pollock, but I've seen so much of his stuff. I've seen stuff from when Ryan Leslie had hair. Come on, <laughs> but Grant has some great stories. True. And one of my favorites is his uh, interview with Lanny and Ardell after. Yep. After they won the cup, like looking back at all that raw stuff, I the stuff that didn't make it to air. That's the that is the gold that we're trying to preserve when we're digitizing all of their old sports stuff. Grant Pollock. Um, I was very lucky when I came and, and was uh, hosting flames radio um, and we were allowed analysts um, that lasted all of the year. Uh, but Grant was Grant and I did a lot of games together and I got to know Grant. What a, I love the man. He's to me, he's the quintessential Can- uh, Calgarian. He's a quintessential Calgarian sportscaster. He could tell he had, I mean, the drop of a hat he had Ed Whalen stories, right? Like, you know, and, and he's another guy that, that did it all and has seen it all. But, you know, you talked about your weekend and and the first time I ever met Grant Pollock was at SAIT. Cause I was running the, uh, the, for a year there, I ran the uh, media operations or the media for SAIT Trojans. And we had a, a gorilla uh, as a mascot because it was SAIT at the time. And, and Paul Pachkowski was the actual mascot. He could do flips and he could play a trumpet and he could ride a unicorn. And and for those who remember what I call the glory years of, of St. Trojans athletics, 96, 97, they'll remember that. And, and we had him dressed up as Elvis one day and, and Grant came down and was doing a story on the Trojans. And he just, he took B-roll of him sitting in the stands with the mascot, the monkey dressed up as Elvis, having very serious conversations. And I'm like, he gets it. Like he gets it. Like this is such a Calgary thing. And, um, you know, it, it just, it's, it's in a way it's too bad. It's, you know, I'm not mad at anybody. I don't know if you're mad at anybody. I'm not really mad at anybody. I think social media has played a large role in it. I, I would, you know, unfortunately, um, we just don't, you know, I still shocked that TSN and, and Sportsnet do half hour shows because, you know, it's all on our phone, that sort of thing. But, um, it's tough. Like it's, it's hard for me to realize, and you know, you're a friend of mine and I don't want anything bad to happen for you. So we're going to work on some stuff and see if we can't, cause you need to be in this. You, you do uh, cam, you need to be in sports. Uh, you just need to be in, in sports. You, I said it a couple weeks ago, you just tell the right stories. You have the right temperament. Um, you know, I know I was talking to Kevin Hodgson from heroes and super a story you did on young Harrison who wanted to be a go or is a goalie. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and those stories are, they need to be told. Those stories are, are still important and we need to find an outlet for them. So hopefully we develop one, somebody develops one, somebody puts you back. Uh, not to say that you shouldn't be covering the flames. I think you should be, but um, at some point you need to be doing this. I think, isn't this the ultimate? I mean, I think it's the ultimate. I don't know. I'm biased. It's storytelling for me. I used to think when I got into the industry, yeah, it's like sideline reporter or bust all about the numbers. And it was like, I really wanted to just write in the end. And Mm -hmm. the best part of it is, everyone says it, the best part is just talking to people, hearing their stories and just finding a way to represent and preserve them. And there's a lot of great stories in Calgary. For all the bad that we have to uncover and hold to account, there is so much good. And we got to talk about that too. And 
Harrison's a great one. Yeah, Har- no, Harrison was... A- Harrison, like, did not want to talk the moment I put a microphone on him and, like, turned the camera on him for an interview. And as soon as he, like, just went out on the ice, still with the mic on, as soon as I wasn't interviewing him, yep. chatterbox. Yep. No, I talked to I talked to his mom yesterday, and she wasn't there when you did the story. He was with his dad, uh, and she could not believe the audio that you got of of Harrison because that's that's not who he is. He came out of his his uh, his shell and and was great in that piece. And you know, again, there's junior hockey and there's minor hockey, and then there's you know superheroes hockey all mixed into a great story. Which you're right is absolutely uh, Calgary. So if you truly are dedicated to storytelling. Tell us the story of being 13 and the bass player in a Motley Crue cover band. Because people are looking at you going, Rob's making this up, but I am not. <laughs> I may have had uh, black and purple hair, a pair of uh, pleather pants, a few more holes in my face than I do now. And I loved Motley Crue. You did no, it. Yeah, no, um, I played in a couple bands when I was younger and I volunteered at a music school and we played wherever they would take us. Some kickstart my heart. Sometimes we uh, journeyed more into metal and a lot of like Blue Oyster Cult stuff. That was the stuff that was fun for me. Right. But. Well, because it's got, I mean, you know, a good bass rhythm or a good bass piece. Right? Aussie songs are fun to play on bass. Right. Aussie songs are fun. Tragically Hip songs are fun too, actually. How do you end up? Like, I've never understood that. I, I You look at all of the options and you go, yeah. You know, I'm going to play bass. I, I've never understood the mentality of the bass player. What is the mentality of the bass player? You know what? We're good with not being the star of the show, and you know that you're really driving the operation. Yeah, Let everyone else get their glory. But no, honestly, the reason why I am the way I am, I was raised by mullets. <laughs> My dad and his friends just mullets, Motley Crue, ACDC all the time like the guy who is uh my parents best friend who is essentially my my second dad was full-on kiss army mm-hmm. has a kiss pinball machine can't even count how many times he's been there like they took me to motley crew when i was 13 Ac- actually at the saddle dome with aerosmith it was a great show right but uh, no i was just really into that kind of music and i like the way that bass drives a song and i mean every kid wanted to play guitar yeah but no one had a bass player so i could play that much more and have a lot of fun with it every once in a while you put it out on social media you s- i stopped playing for a long time you did, so eh? i got pretty rusty yeah <laughs> but now we're shaking the rust off and it's just fun again but you're not actively in a band i can't with my schedule hmm. there's some days like you know when i see you at superheroes hockey i've i've left work at about one in the morning yep. i go home and then i get back to the rink for 9 a.m to do some shooting Actually, I almost broke my camera at Superheroes once. That was almost like a $30,000 mistake. I was on the ice and I'm handheld with like, I don't use the little cameras that you see some people use. I like for sports, especially you need like the big cameras that you see at Flames games just because they're steadier. Right. And I was on the ice capturing some footage and I had my hands on the lens and the lens pops off. I had one hand, I was able to kind of catch it behind my back, but it was still sliding. But Lanny McDonald was at practice that day and he like whipped, a, Lanny still got boots on him. He whipped oh, yes. the Lanny ice can move. and he caught my camera. I probably would have been fired if I broke that oh, camera. Oh yeah, no, no, that, that, that wouldn't have been a good day. That wouldn't that have been, been a good awful. day. All right. He should have been a goalie. Who, Lanny? Yeah. Well, I think it worked out well the way it did. You know, I think he's okay with his life's decisions. <laughs> 
All right, let's get to the last mile, our final mile today. Um, Saturday night, the hockey game was straight garbage. But prior to that, um, I do want to tip my hat to uh, Jordy McLeod, Steve Edgar, Dallas Kitt, Tori Peterson, Brent Gibbs, Chris Huey, Brent Dodging Horse, and everybody else who was part of the Calgary Flames Indigenous Celebration for Treaty 7 Nations. There you see it. All seven Chiefs on the ice for a puck drop. Uh, Dodger mentioned it when he was here with us on Friday. Talked to Jordy. He mentioned it. It isn't easy to get these guys on the same carpet. They did it. Um, just from top to bottom, uh, they did a lot of really, I think, great things. Uh, Cammy, you know where I stand on this. I, you're either into it or you're not into it. And, and, uh, I thought on Saturday night, and, and they've taken some heat recently, the Flames did about, you know, the, the, the treaty acknowledgement, the land acknowledgement. Um, but I thought they put on a really good show and, and I thought they really highlighted, uh, the best of Treaty 7. I thought it was really cool. I mean, I was always a little confused before, especially since, uh, the Hitman, and by extension, CSEC have such a, a great relationship with Siksika and they have a number of really great initiatives they do out there and on Sutina Nation. But as someone who's not from Alberta, mm-hmm. I loved this because it gave me a greater sense of uh, pride and connection to the area that I call home now. I feel like now there's more that I know about some of these nations that I, I didn't know about before where I might've only known a little bit more about like Siksika and Sutina, but you, you learn more about the, the Kainai, the Pekani. And I I think it's really cool for us to just embrace the history of the area. I think, how does it hurt? It doesn't hurt. It gives you to so many more opportunities to work really cool things into the game. It it really does. And and honestly, it, it just, it, it strengthens, strengthens us as a community, strengthens us as a people. And um, I'll say this, and I, my only complaint, and it's, it's well documented and everybody's tired of hearing it. That warm up jersey should have been a jersey. It shouldn't, they should have worn the thing the, the whole pony? game. That war pony is amazing. Sharp. Hey, Sharp. like it, like I love Blasty to begin with. I've always loved Blasty to begin with or begin with, but I've always loved Blasty all back to its original roots. Really? And the reboot. If we dig up that tape. You were into Blasty from the start. Oh, sure. Go back to I, that. Used to be my go to on the old radio show. If you wanted to win something, first person in with a Blasty jersey. And people didn't like it, but I also like. And you, you're too young to remember this. The big giant teddy bear that the Bruins wore. Um, I also like the mustard yellow that the Nashville Predators went with. Um, I liked a lot of, I, I didn't have a problem with it, but you know, we're uniform snobs. We're uh, uh, sweater snobs. We're, we, 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 you know, we've come a long way. I want 41 different jerseys. That's where I want to live. Um, it's a little much, but. Um, I, th- I think I have, you know, have you seen the whites that the hitmen are, you've seen the whites that the hitmen are going to wear this Saturday mm-hmm. for Bret Hart's game, huh? A white Bret Hart jerseys are nice. Yeah. That's Chris Huey again, folks. If you heard that name and Brent Gibbs, you've heard that name a couple times. They are stars studs over there. Um, but and- the guys who, yeah, some of the guys who've been, uh, working on the, uh, the war pony jerseys, but also the every child matter matter jerseys like Jacob Alexis and them. They do such great work. Oh, they did that. Those so, are that, so that the, orange, yeah. the orange Jersey that the hitmen wear. Yeah. The is every like child one matters of my jersey. favorite ever. Right. Like the details on that are stunning. And they had like, same artist. there was one. Yeah. There was, um, at the every child matters game this year, they had, uh, one of the jerseys, uh, artists had actually like beaded the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, it must've taken hours and it hours did. and hours. It was hours. stunning. It is. It is. And, and, Funny enough, that's what happens when you turn it over to the people that can tell that you're talking about being a storyteller. If you take the jersey and turn it over to the people whose story it is to tell, it's amazing what happens. 
It is amazing. And, you know, you saw, uh, I love the fact um, that they used it, uh, you know, a different announcer because um, he's uh, he's worked with us before. He was uh, when we did the games and uh, we when the Hitman did the games in Blackfoot, he was one of the announcers there. I love the fact that they did the national anthem in Blackfoot. I love the fact that they had the the dancers and the drummers and everything. Understand how beautiful that culture is. It's it's a culture like it is amazing. And again, I thought the the Flames hit it out of the park. I thought it was great. I thought it was a good look. My problems with the National Hockey League, get over yourself, allow them to wear that as a third jersey or another jersey, one of 41. Or let them sell them. Yeah, please. Even the Black History Month jersey, that one was, uh, well, that's, it that's was a- hard to catch some of the details on the broadcast, yes. but up close. Yes. Well, and that was the back of the, and that was the back of the jersey on Saturday, the warm up jersey, like the numbers, mm-hmm. right? And if you remember the great neighbor jersey that Hitman did a couple of years yep, ago, the, nice the numbers on the back, that had meaning for both Satin and Sixeca, mm-hmm. right? So, Ah, we've we've come a long way in terms of actually. You should just do a Jersey episode. Well, every I think Prince will tell you, every episode's a Jersey episode around here. I have a, good, I have a co- good story about Kale McCarr's dad in the pedestal jersey. Please tell. All right. Okay. So the pedestal was really having a moment in the '90s, and so when the Flames hired a firm to say, "All right, we're looking for something new." They designed um, the pedestal concept, mm-hmm. but Gary McCarr was working um, for for that firm at the time, oh, okay. and they needed a model to test how the uniforms looked on ice and on broadcast cameras. So at like 1 a.m., they would take Gary to the dome and put him in this potential uniform and just have him skate laps, and they would all of like the Flames brass were yep. there just lined up watching seeing how what they thought of it the pedestal jersey originally had chevron socks that the team it? decided to not use mm. but gary says like that's still one of his like favorite memories is uh being able to skate being the, the model technically being a flame for that that hour a day do you know who's who's been a model for a couple of jerseys uh everybody's favorite craig conroy Connie, you remember the one that a trade day deadline acquisition for the flames yeah that that again hated yeah, <laughs> that's that's my. Whenever we do things together, I always get him to tell that story. I know, I love it. But, Connie's like one of the greatest storytellers. He's a whirling dervish. I've had him like try to do an interview from an arena on the road. Oh yeah, and he'll be on his phone and he'll just like stop whatever he's talking about and be like, "Look who's here!" And <laughs> that's him, folks. You don't need to ask him questions. Just say, "All right, Connie, go." <laughs> uh, he's he's coming in studio at some point. I don't know when, but he is coming in studio. Um, congratulations to Mark Howell and the University of Calgary Dinos. 27 years, you said? 96. Yeah. 96. 27 years. I'm not years that good at math. I can't subtract. Like since that. they won the Canada, 96. last won the Canadian West Championship. Um, that's pretty awesome. And it was a great scene down at Father David Bauer. And it was a great example of that caliber of hockey. And they uh, are going to, well, so will U of A though, right? U of A goes to the Nationals? Yeah, yeah. Top two teams go. Yeah, okay. Canada West is strong. They're going to Nationals in Charlottetown. Say hi to Dion and Alicia for us. Right. Also, that uh, UPEI rink, one-time home of uh, Mr. Joel Ward. Joel Ward. Ward. He Joel Ward. He was sick in that one he was series one of the, for Nashville against Vancouver in 2011. I know they lost, but he was like one of the only effective players. He was one of the us. first, not the first, but at, at the time, he was kind of the only guy that came out of CIS and then, mm-hmm. you know, and represented, but had been there for a while. And we've certainly had more since then. Ian Herbers is another one. They, it happens. But to, to your point, like, yeah. well, Howell and, and, uh, uh, 
Mount Royal sent a bunch of guys that have gone played pro now. Um, you know, they come back, they get a, a, a scholarship and, and, you know, get a, a degree or, or get some education to go play. There's nothing wrong with it. Should mention that uh, the UFC Dinos women's basketball team didn't win, but will go. Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. it was close. I mean, they were up against the defensive player of the year and Claire Signatovich, U of A. Yeah. was great. <laughs> that was good basketball. And uh, Saint men won again because – that's six years in a row or something like that. Huh? They lost. Did they? I thought they won. Uh, they won their first game. Lost their second. Oh, basketball. 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 They won six in a row. It okay. is Coach Marty Berkey's last season. Okay. Congrats to Marty Berkey. Thank I you. His very first year okay. was when I was at State. All right. All right. <laughs> so we're all on the same page. I was talking about men's basketball. Bitter dynasty. <laughs> well, it was a way of me saying Jason Ribeiro is going to be here on Friday to talk basketball with us. Um, and then Do you we. Remember the Outlaws? Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's funny. We were talking uh, about pro basketball and the Jack Simpson again. Do you remember the Edmonton? What's this version of the CBL team? They're the Stingers, right? They're the Stingers. Yeah, they've won twice. They've had a couple players sign those 10-day NBA contracts. So, yeah, yeah. but in the 90s when I was living in Fort McMurray, there was a, a startup league, and they came up in, into Fort Mac and played a a, uh, a exhibition game. I guess that would have been the same league, wouldn't it? The outlaws, yeah. So, and I, I wanted to say they were the stingers or the yellow jackets or something. They were some sort of annoying animal, uh, insect. I meant, I think. Anyway, um, last but not least, you tweeted it out. Uh, just make mention of uh, the Canada Winter Games. A really neat moment. Uh, speaking of your uh, love of the Maritimes, uh, in a little, uh, not a little, a major upset, and your disdain for the center of the universe. Wow. <laughs> I, I love how it's portrayed. So anyway, the tweet was, or the, the, the video was, uh, Nova Scotia. Knocked off Ontario to punch their ticket to the gold medal game. And and behind the scenes, there was Newfoundland waiting for the Nova Scotia team as they came off. And this is a great video. If you haven't seen the video, it's all over social media. Go to Cammy's. It's one so. of the few videos that is making it on today. Yes. Beat the deadline. I, I know. I know. Beat the deadline. And everybody said, oh, look at that. They're, they're all really good sports. I said, nah, just beating the hell out of Ontario. Everybody loves. But yeah. I mean, you just, you just like to see that. Uh, right. That togetherness. Okay. Warms uh, the heart. Warms the chilly heart. Are you going to come back? You going to do this again? When will you have me? Oh, we do a show Wednesday. <laughs> I don't think there's any argument here. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, Peter Marr will join us. And then Friday, Eric DeHatchek and Jason Ribeiro. So we got a busy week. Um, they can, where can they find you on social media? You're on, are you on all of the social medias? I'm not on the TikTok. You're not on I'm the not TikTok? On the TikTok. Shouldn't you be on the TikTok? Playing my some little, bass. Like my little sister from another mister, like had me do a dance with her once on TikTok and it was so bad. She deleted her whole profile and just made a new one. <laughs> gotcha. Well, there is Adam that. Adam Vicker from uh, our city hall reporter was a part of that too. <laughs> we were not good. Names enough. being named. <clears throat> <laughs> no, uh, at Cammy Kepke. Okay. If you can spell it. There's okay. not too uh, many of us out there, so pretty easy to find. Okay, well, you, you're coming back, so we'll have you back on the program. Thanks for doing this today. This has been fun. Uh, thanks to our outstanding producer, uh, Princey. I was going to say Mark. Mark. Uh, and also uh, Gavin, who's down the line, who's uh, watching. Thanks to you. This has been fun. But most importantly, we shared it off the top. Uh, good news for the Snow family. Uh, Chris got the procedure he needed today. Kelsey uh, tweeted that. Um, we are hoping to have Kelsey Snow join us here in the next couple of weeks. We'll get her on and we'll talk about uh, their remarkable journey and the strength that this woman shows every single day. Um, said it before, I'll say it again. 
if you need help, if somebody's out there, if it's dark, please reach out. We are in this together. Love the fact you were here with us. Love the fact that you're coming back. Uh, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you on Wednesday.